All those lists suck. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Thursday, February 28, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 491. This is No Agenda. One to U.S. austerity from the Travis Heights hideout on the east side of South Congress in Austin, the capital of the Drone Star State. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the <laughs> FedEx trucks are rolling, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Buzzkill in the morning. Wait a minute. Did you say Silicon Valley? Silicon. <laughs> no, I think you said Silicon, and I kind of liked it. Silicon. Hmm. Selicon. 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 Sell a con. You know what I mean? Yeah, sell a con. Sell a con. I, I like I think it. I've, I stumbled onto something. I think you ha- it's a genius, genius discovery. Sell a con. Speaking of which, just before we started this uh, program, sometimes known as. The best podcast in the universe. You were doing something, and I came up with a genius money making idea. That will take us out of a life of poverty, will put us into the mode where this show will just be a hobby. Okay, I'm in. Are you <laughs> great? <laughs> Let me, I'll send you the contract. That's all you just sign it. Don't worry about it. Here it is. Ready? Yeah. Manuals on tape. Oh. Now, the reason why this is a genius idea is because I was listening to you doing a sound check, and you were reading a manual for a printer. And I'm like, this is, I mean, screw Audible. This is what I want. I mean, I want to put my earbuds in, and I want the dulcet tones of John C. Dvorak to explain to me how to set up my printer. Go. One, when you see a screen like this one, which makes it difficult, but this is screen number one. Verify that the settings are correct. If you need to change the setting, press back until you see the setting you need to change. Once you have verified that your network settings are correct, press OK to save the settings and return to the network settings menu. Press the home button to exit the network settings menu. Okay, now on your computer, <laughs> connect to the wireless network's name you created on page seventeen. Now go to the end. I want the payoff when when you successfully set up your printer. There's got to be a payoff. Continue with install software. <laughs> I think this is. I think this is great, and we could have a little database. You know what I mean? A little database where we, you know, you it was like, oh, how do I install that printer again? It could be a little, it would be a little segments, and then you click on the different ones and you hear it yeah. as you were doing it. Then you, do, you didn't have to go back and forth. Yeah, it's a pot, you know, there's possibilities here. And I, th- and I think that with, you know, the branding is you in a superhero uh, suit. You know, like a spandex thing. Not a, not a, not a sport jacket with a bunch of question marks all over it. <laughs> yeah, that'll work too. <laughs> hey, before we start anything, I want to tease what I'm going to be talking about for a little while. Uh, oh, do you mean you, you want to stake your claim? Is that what you're saying? You want to? I, make I, just sure. want to I just want to play the Shrimpton alternate teaser, uh, the Shrimpton alternate teaser, and then you tell me when you want me to talk to brawl some of these clips. Since you're talking about people who are on television, people who are high profile, you have to murder the children in order to protect your asset. So for the Germans, it was essential that the boys that were being taken onto the yacht, that was a death ride. When Jimmy Savile was taking, let's say, a 14-year-old boy down to Morning Cloud, handing him over to Edward Heath or a member of the crew on the yacht, it was a death ride. That was that boy's last journey on Earth. So for um, five years, almost 500 episodes, 
you could tune in to the best podcast in the universe and you could probably hear something about the pedo bear. And now that it's popular culture, are you going to take this from me? Is that what you're saying? I'm not taking anything. I just found a good clip. <laughs> you got like looks like you got a whole rack of them. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, it's a funny story about this character, and um, and they won't. No one wants to talk about his book, or no one wants to interview him. This all came from yeah. Bristol Community FM Radio. Where, where's that? We're Bristol in the UK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now that you know, this has been going on. This Elm House. Have you followed this at all? Elm House. A yeah, so I mean, this is really your specialty. I just happen to intrude once in a while. <laughs> That's what is, I'm doing today. It's been so rampant and so bad. All this pedo bear stuff going on in the UK It's like, I mean, I, I'm like, I, I haven't even been bringing it up. It's like, uh, you know, what this like? I, I think I've put people onto the. Well, the reason I got onto it because this guy accuses the EU. Oh, really? Of, of the European Commission of being behind the whole thing. <laughs> all right, roll it. And German intelligence. All right, all right, all right. Give me some. Give me a little bit now. I need some well, more. Let me I need play some the more. Other teaser. Play the the original teaser. Um, it's, it's teaser. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Okay. Okay. All right. Another, good. This is good for me. His theory that the boys have been buried in the grounds of the nursing home is a perfectly reasonable one. A good copper. Good theory, but wrong. The boys were in fact being taken to a boat. It happened to be a Batiste boat or yacht. And they were murdered and thrown overboard. So there's no point, sadly, in looking for their graves. They don't have any grave except the sea. That's why the BBC and the Cabinet Office have been so keen to protect Savile. That's why the Cabinet Office in the 1980s were willing to back Savile to the point of giving him a position of authority at Broadmoor, which is an absolute... You, know, you don't put a paedophile in charge of Broadmoor. It's like putting a lunatic in charge of the asylum or a drunk in charge of a brewery. Yeah, that pretty much sums up the past five years of my work <laughs> right here. <laughs> great. No, this is great. It's a little too early, I think, to lay into this. Uh, but I can put it off. We can put no, it this is great. This is a great teaser. No, uh, maybe it would be apropos uh, for us to talk very briefly because I'm I'm watching the telescreens. And if you've never heard of the word telescreen, you might want to read uh, George Orwell's 1984. I've been looking at the telescreens, and I actually spent... Is that our new official name for that, the television? Yes, telescreen, yes. Okay. And I saw they had a live shot of the helicopter coming to drop the Pope off. I mean, they literally, they have aerial shots of this. It's like they're narrating the Pope leaving in his Augusta. Augusta Bell, I should say. Nice, nice aircraft, the 109. Um, and uh, I have done some more work after you, of course, uh, set me uh, on the path along with uh, the uh, impeccable Reverend Manning <laughs> about uh, about what is really going on with, um, with uh, what I'm calling Pope and Change. And I think there's two things. There's the public-facing theory, but then there's also what is going on uh, on a much, much larger scale. Um, so maybe we just wind the clock back a little bit uh, to, uh, well, if CNN's talking about it, in particular Don Lemon, but you know, you know it's got to be the story for the slaves. There's another developing story to tell you about. is a sex scandal, a money scandal, and a cover-up scandal, and the names named go to the top of the Catholic Church. Here's what got the Vatican in rumor control mode this weekend. Some media outlets in Italy say they have uncovered the real reason Pope Benedict is stepping down. Now, you know when Don Lemon says it, it's not going to be the real reason. It is a reason for sure. Real reason he's stepping down. And church officials are doing something they almost never do. 
They're going public, saying it is not true. And CNN's Ben Wienemann has the very latest for us. Ben? On February 11th, Pope Benedict XVI shocked the world, announcing he was stepping down at the end of the month, too old and too tired to conduct his official duties. But reports broken in two leading Italian publications, La Repubblica and Panorama, suggest his reason for resigning was far more explosive. Shock at the discovery of a network of gay priests at the Vatican, blackmailed by a network of male prostitutes. <laughs> According to the reports, the results of an investigation... I, I just get this weird visual of a bunch of gay male prostitutes coming up to the Vatican like... Hello, sister. <laughs> I, if you, I'm, I'm gonna tell, bitch. I'm going public, publica. You just get a short visual of that. I, it just doesn't feel right to me. Investigation by three cardinals assigned to look into wrongdoing at the Vatican were submitted to Pope Benedict on December 17th last year. The reports say the dossier also suggests serious financial improprieties within the Vatican amounting to violations of the Sixth and Seventh Commandments. Thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not commit adultery. <laughs> so I think they did a really good job putting this uh, cover, this front together, which of course is, I think, pretty much bullcrap for the reasons I just just explained. I, I've, I've met several male prostitutes um, and they just don't seem like the blackmail type. Or the type that won't, you know, that can't be intimidated. Well, actually, prostitutes in general uh, can't. That, that professor. Yeah, you don't do that. That's what you can't then, exist if this, yeah. if this becomes rampant. Yeah, and yeah. they will be killed by their own type. Yeah, yeah, then they'd ruin the business. And it just, it just, it just doesn't happen that way. Um, it, and only, of course, it happens on House of Cards. <laughs> on Netflix. Um, no, I, there's a couple things. First of all, the improprieties in the financial uh, dealings of the bank. I, there's certainly something going on there. I think they owe 300 million euros to the bank, uh, the European Central Bank. So there's all kinds of shenanigans happening there. But there's another angle to this. And this, I think, is, again, one of the many. This is probably the catalyst. And we have a documentary coming out. Um, I think it will air on HBO by the same guy who made Smartest Guys in the Room, which I liked, the Enron documentary. You saw that one, didn't you, John? Oh, yeah. That was a good documentary, I thought. Did well, you, it was entertaining. Did you not think it was accurate or, or well put together? or? Uh, there were some flaws in it, I re as I recall, okay. that were important, but well, whatever. It, it, does, it matters not. Mm -hmm. It doesn't it can affect anything. So the same guy put together a documentary called Mia Max, um, what's it called? Mia Maxima Culpa. And it's coming out in, uh, I think, just a couple weeks. And here's a little blurb about it, um, as discussed on the BBC. Director Alice Gidney is releasing an investigation of paedophilia committed by Roman Catholic priests, a scandal that overshadowed the current papacy and will become a major issue for Benedict's successor. With even more painful topicality, the documentary alleges that the present pope, when as Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, who was a member of the Vatican Civil Service, was part of a deliberate strategy of covering up sexual abuse. In the film, Patrick Wall, a former Benedictine monk, expresses surprise at what he says happened when he was asked to investigate claims of paedophilia by priests in America. I thought I was going there to uncover the crime, to heal the wounds. I thought it was pastoral care. You know, comfort the afflicted, what we're ordained for. But the people sending me in obviously had ulterior motives. 
you know, they would give you authorization up to $250,000 to settle a case if you could get a confidentiality order. And in 1995, we had a budget of $7 million to handle the various problems of childhood sexual abuse. That's the worldwide policy to snuff out scandal. A scene from Mayor Maxima Culpa, written and directed by Alex Gibney, who made the Oscar-nominated Enron the smartest guys in the room. So I think that the catalyst probably for what is happening here is we have um, Ratzinger, whose entire job was to come in and clean it all up. And the way he decided to clean it up was buying everybody off. That's not a big secret, but now we do have a couple of whistleblowing cardinals or whatever they are, flute-blowing cardinals. Um, who literally talk about the $250,000 shut-up money uh, the budget just one guy had for his uh, for his diocese, I presume. And now that that's all, you know, kind of you know, put together, and that's all, uh, you know, it's all, uh, you know, it's not only done, but now it's starting to kind of come out, I think it was time for the Pope to go, uh, pff, well, you know, I'll, I'll leave, and then, oh, we'll bring in a new guy, and oh, isn't it good that we got rid of that, and... And what I understand is that the Pope actually, um, or the uh, the artist formerly known as Pope, will continue to live in the Vatican after he resigns, which will provide him with uh, 100% privacy. Of course, he retains his security. So, you know, they can't arrest him. You, know, you will not see him at the International Criminal Court or any place like that. But what's really interesting is who's going to come next. And this is where I think there is there is kind of a New World Order agenda at play. And this may sound a little crazy, surprise. Um, now, if you look at uh, what President Obama has brought to the United States, which is not just him, it's been a process of several presidents, Republican and Democrat, we are very much moving towards a Marxist-slash-socialist system where it has to be fair, everyone does their fair share, you know, the American dream is, you know, you get to retire. Would you say that that's a fair assessment of what has happened over the past 40 years, John? Just getting by. Yeah, right, just getting by, but that's, you know, we all share and we pitch in and you can't, you know, the richest people have to, you know, pay their fair share and a little bit more. And so it is kind of a Marxist um, a socialist type system that we're moving into much more like the United States of Europe, which is very much there already. But there is a... Um, the so is this referred to as the modern welfare state? Right. But you would agree that that is uh, Marxist at uh, at its core. Maybe not. Maybe you disagree. Uh, well, I would say by current definitions, yes. I think we need to keep our eye on the Jesuit cardinals. Now, the Jesuit cardinals, the Jesuits in general, from what I understand, I'm not, you know, this is where we need, uh, what's his name? Uh, Padre SJ, whatever, from Twit. <laughs> the guy got to ask we about have this. A num- we have a lot of Catholic priests that are uh, Jesuits, no specifically. That can more or less give us the, 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 the background on this, and, they, and I suspect that between now and next Thursday, we'll have a couple of notes. But go on. Specifically, Jesuits are, if you look at uh, South America, they are very much uh, from, they come from a Marxist background. And I believe the next pope, and it could even be, um, I looked up a couple, here's one that's being talked about, uh, Jorge Mario Ber- uh, Bergoglio, and he's in Argentina. Um, so having a, a, a brown skin pope would be, you know, great 
by itself. Uh, but to have a Jesuit slash Marxist pope could really be the next piece that is needed for the entire New World Order system of everybody be together, get together, pay your fair share, shut up, and slave. Be exploited and, by the elites. Yeah, yes, <laughs> correct. <laughs> so I, I think that is the more important thing while everyone's looking at the pedophilia angle. Uh, no one is really talking. It's like, oh, just these bunch of guys will go in the room and we'll wait for some smoke and then magically it appears. Now, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. This Pope business, this, the guy, this is something is happening here that is extremely important. Uh, and uh, let's look for it to be. Put it in the red book if you don't mind. Let's look for it the to Argentinian be, guy, um, Jesuit pre, uh, cardinal. I, I don't know if it's the Argentinian guy, but I'd say a Jesuit. Um. So, so I've just been reading a lot. You know, um, here's an article. Uh, the uh, my favorite thing if you read about this is the the, the possibility of Francis. Arenes, I think's his name, who's the black guy, becoming the Pope. Is he a Jesuit? I don't know. What's his name? It's a A R I N. Look him up. Arenes, Cardinal, obviously. Yeah, it has to be Cardinal. Yeah, you, I mean, you can't just leapfrog. Either right? that, or just elect Bill Clinton. <laughs> In the morning. How did you come up with that, <laughs> Francis? Arenes, you said? I thought that was it. But here's the, another black guy that could be the Pope. He is uh, the Roman Catholic Cardinal from Ghana, currently president of the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Sounds like a lot of window dressing. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Turkson, T-U-R-K-S-O-N. Well, I think we got to look for one of these Jesuit guys. You know, just, you know I, don't I don't know that they tell us anything about their order. If you read these articles, because, you know, typically these news reporters don't even know what that means. Right. Jesuit, huh? <laughs> There's other things we could put in the story? <laughs> um, we get no background on any of this. No. It no. looks like a kick-ass. No. No, there's, no, of course, there's, there's zero background, but that's, that's kind of what makes it so interesting. And um, I, I got a lot of hate mail uh, for us laughing about this whole thing. And people are like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, no, it was, it, it was uh, CC to you. You were mocking the church. I guess I was. I guess I was. No, people don't like that. You know, they're the whole, the, the, this whole thing is, you know, like, oh, the Pope, he's nothing. It's the office of the Pope. That's what's Here's important. The other guy. Here's the other guy. It's Cardinal Francis Arenes, A-R-I-N-Z-E of Nigeria. And they can make a lot of money with this guy in office. Uh-huh. Using letters. <laughs> what do you mean? From Nigeria. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I am the Pope. I am the Pope. I have, I have all this money for you. I have nine million in the bank in the Vatican Bank. <laughs> right, get it out. All right, we're going to hell now. Right. <laughs> for sure. And That's uh, the first thing I think you think of when you think of a Nigerian. Yeah. I have an idea. I have an idea how to make more money for the church. Whenever I get a Nigerian cab driver here, uh, and Austin has a, a little community of Nigerian uh, cab drivers, huh. I always say, hey, I got a letter from your from your cousin. I got a letter. <laughs> they get the joke, by the way. They think that's oh, very, no, it's because it's they, a major part of yeah. the uh, economy. Yeah, they think it's very funny. 
This, yeah, I'm sure they think it's funny that all the people that get suckered. They got some really good new letters that have come out recently that have not. They really cover up the you know the idea that it's a Nigerian scam letter, and it's because there's no Nigerian connection anymore. Except you know when you start looking into it, and you find that it's, you know some sort of a phone in Nigeria. Boy, you mean are you telling me that people outside of Nigeria are now onto this and they're using this their their patented? Uh... No, no, I think they're still Nigerians. Oh, okay. In Nigeria, they think they just they. I think they've they've. Even though most Nigerian scam letters still say they're from Nigeria, <laughs> which is like just I guess Flag. just see how stupid can people possibly be? Well, the other one I like is uh, I was a platoon sergeant in Iraq. Uh, yeah, and I found all this money, this pallet of money, and uh, you know we need to expose this, and uh, and I want you to help with the money part. I've I've actually read through one of those, like because you know I get I'll, I get weird emails. In fact, I, well, I got I read through most of them because I think they're very creative. I got an email uh, from a TSA employee, which I would like to share with the group because there's a tip in here, a handy tip. And oh, this play is it. yeah, no, well, it's, <laughs> play it. It's not a clip. It's an email. It's from an anonymous uh, TSA employee. Uh, you know, big fan. To be legitimate. Yes, believed to be completely legitimate. Yeah. Um, so. This is after we were talking about you know the three year old girl uh, and uh, and the, the TSA Nazi saying that you can't film here even though you can. Uh, so uh, it's a, it's quite a long email. But I'm going to skip into the pertinent part. Most of the people I work with don't trust a word the government tells us, and we do everything we can to help people without breaking the rules. This is what our TSA stooge says. Rules can be bent. So we do our best to do so in the favor of the traveling public. I hope I don't get two to the head for this email, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, indeed. Even if you scold me for this email on your next show, I will still listen and as soon as I can either find a second job or get full-time TS or, or get full-time for TSA, I will make a substantial donation. Of course, that is if you are okay with receiving your soiled taxpayer money back from the government through a TSA employee, likely laced with glitter from strippers and coke. This I think what, that's even I, better I, I, than the average donation. That's a benefit. The issue with recording being prohibited in some airports, blah, 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 okay? Um, here we go. It says, oh, it says uh, the problem, you know, I, I hate to be defending the idiots. Uh, I'd say the organization is so bloated, has so much bureaucracy, um, uh, the rules change every three months, which makes it very difficult to stay current. It does not excuse the language used in the stern tone or the requirement not to film. I'm definitely an advocate of small government, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's a tip. If you've read so th th to this email so far, if you fly regularly, all you have to do to avoid opting out or going through the AIT, Advanced Imaging Technology Body Scanner, is tell the person directing you to one of those places that you are unable to lift your arm over your head, and then you will be considered ineligible for AIT screening, and thus will have not opted out either. This means that you will walk instead through the metal detector and not receive a pat-down. I suggest you pass this on during your show. Holy crap, that's a great one. If it's true. Tip of the day. We need a tip of the day theme. <laughs> well, and someone needs to try this immediately. I'm not, I'm not traveling for a little bit. Um, so you have to say, listen, I have a medical condition. I cannot lift my arms above my head. And apparently you will then get uh, the magnetometer and no pat down. I can't wait to try it. Are you flying anytime soon? No, I'm trying to avoid going anywhere. But <laughs> Furthermore... 
Uh, just one one last note from our TSA stooge. We need a name for our TSA stooge. TSA stooge sounds pretty good. One last note on the pre-check system that has been introduced and discussed by Mr. Pistol. It is the biggest sham I have seen. The idea that a citizen of the U.S. is required to go through a background check and interview process so that they can finally be treated like a human being again during the screening process is unbelievable. Not only is it extremely unfair, it also decreases security. My concern when the idea was first mentioned to us was that it that all it would take is a terrorist to kidnap a person's family who was on the pre-checklist and require them to smuggle something through as they go through less security than the average passenger, which actually means being on the pre-checklist could actually make you a target. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. That's, I'm thinking our TSA stooge is the real deal. We hadn't even thought about that. No, I hadn't thought about it. I was thinking about one of the things I was thinking about it was kind of this reverse, you know, unintended consequences is a theme that we don't really, a lot of the stuff we do, we never really, it never evolves into unintended consequences like that. Right. And that was the thing about the sequester that, because uh, I was in a discussion about it. In fact, you know, I, I have the sequester clip so we get a feeling for what this is. This is taking right. place tomorrow. Can, can, can we just finally could just call it what it is? And just call it austerity. I mean, the rest of the world calls it calls it austerity. Why do we have to call it sequester? Yeah, that's a good point. So we'll just call it austerity from now on. I can, I can go for that. Okay. No one will know what we're talking about. Six days and counting, and the fear mounting. And that rhymed. A tremor will hit the American economy. Tens of thousands of parents will have to scramble to find. Child care for their kids. Scramble. Sequestration would be destructive to our nation's security. Furloughs. <laughs> air traffic controllers. It'll cost us 750,000 jobs. Thousands of teachers and educators will be laid off. Houses burning, crazies roaming, seniors starving, criminals <laughs> fleeing, and don't even think about eating. What? Wait a minute. This is where we need. You slaves can get used to mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese, macaroni and cheap cheddar melted together. Mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese. Did you uh, did you put that together or was that no, pre-produced? I, I stole it. Oh. So um, can I do my 18 second ABC version of that? Yeah, do it. Each day, the White House's list of terrible things caused by the cuts grows longer, including flight delays kids losing vaccines, and meat shortages. And now the Department of Homeland Security says it has been forced to release hundreds of undocumented workers back into the United States. I think, I, I think that all of these guys really missed it. You know, before we get into the, into the meat and potatoes of it, so-called, I mean, don't you think that we, you know, if they had called upon the illustrious Curry Dvorak Consulting Group that, you know, we know how to do this stuff? I mean, we I need, think they, they, they got, well, you know, do the voiceover, do, do the voiceover, do the voiceover, do the voiceover. Well, what am I going to be? One more day and counting. Sequester, meat shortages. It's going to be Armageddon. Armageddon, I tell you, fighting in the streets. We'll be killing each other, killing. We're all going to die. But have sweetened it a little bit. Well, I'm now, doing this it on the fly. The best was I heard one on the radio that I think it was on um, – Huckleby or somebody. Huckleby. <laughs> Huckleby, yeah. Huckleby. Huckleby. It's my one favorite. Of guys. They, it was a beauty. I mean, it went on for days. And most of these are all sourced from the whitehouse.gov. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. Weird. 
So anyway, so I'm talking to you know, and and we have to remember that this sequester or this or this uh, austerity, austerity thing is essentially a cutback in the increases in the budget. The, yes, they'll still be more spent than last year. Yes. So I don't see how it can have such an unbelievable impact. I, unless these guys are all planning to really spend this money and it was already spent. That's what I'm thinking is a distinct possibility. Yeah, so the money's already spent and now they're freaked. Well, they've got contracts. You can't just back – the government can't just back out of these contracts. There's all kinds of kill clauses and heads will roll for sure, but they always point towards the human resources. The slaves are going to get it. You know, It's not like the drone program or the, the strike fighter, which is a disaster – you know, it's not that you don't hear him talking about that. It's always about the slaves. Yeah, it's always the slaves. So, I was in a discussion over dinner with JC and he, uh, Buzzkill Jr. And he mentioned, he said, "Well, there are going to be some actual cuts." Oh, I said, "Well, these are just cuts and increases." No, there's some, and he, I guess the some whatever information he's getting. I guess there are some departments in government because everyone has to take a certain piece of this that are actually going to be cut. And I started to think about it. I don't know whether it's true or not, but he, but there is, but I can see an unintended consequence of all this, which is that let's say uh, your department A and you have a budget, you have plans for a twenty percent budget. Increase. Hold on a second. I am department A, twenty percent budget decrease. And I'm department B, and I'm an honest guy. You're not. I am a dishonest a hole. And so I've got a, a 2%. In fact, I, I think I can get by next year with my exact same budget because I'm essentially. Because you're you know, a manager. You're, 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 doing, you're doing your best for the American public. I'm doing what I should be doing. Yes. I got no budget increases in right. a, as the roller skate inspector. I am going to fuck you. And so you are getting a 20%. <laughs> so they come along with, their, with the sequester and they say, okay, you, both you guys uh, have to give up $2 billion. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I don't have it. I don't have any. All he's doing is giving up two billion dollars of his increase, right? And he's still getting more money than I'm going to get. I have to give up a real two billion. This encourages budget bloat. So because I've learned my lesson, right? I'm not going to. This do is. That we know this. This is. There's nothing new here. You have to spend your budget every year, otherwise no, your budget no, decreases. Spend it. You have to ask for a lot more, more. money than yeah. you would have normally, right? So and I think it's just going to make the budget go. I think it's going to make it go crazy because if they have to pull this thing back, everyone's going to be. I mean, this thing is going to spiral out of control with demands for more money. It's it's outrageous. It's funny you uh, you bring that up because, and I was amazed by this, and I think that maybe this is, I don't know. Ray LaHood seems like he um, is not in good graces. C certainly not with uh, Adele. He doesn't seem like he's in good graces with his own brain. <laughs> So he was on Adele uh, Crowley show there on C CNN. Everyone there is Adele now, and um, and she actually nailed him on something which he 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 just had no answer for. The, the budget committee took, and I, I don't know why she did it. Uh, whose pocket she's in, but she did it. Took a look at some of these numbers, and they found that post sequester, your post sequester total at FAA ops and facilities and equipment is going to be about $500 million more than 2008, and the planes were running just fine. So what I'm trying to figure out, as you know, people are saying the, the administration is exaggerating this. So, well, so if you're going to be having totals inflation adjusted at 2008 levels, why all of this sturm and drang about, oh, my goodness, all the planes are going to be late? Well, first of all, we're required to cut a billion dollars. Uh, the, the, the largest number of employees at DOT is at FAA, of which 
the largest number are FAA controllers. Get the we're, slaves. We're going to try and cut as much as we possibly can out of contracts and uh, other, other things that we do. But in the end, there has to be some kind of furlough of air traffic control air traffic controllers and that then will also begin to curtail or eliminate uh, the opportunity for them to guide planes in and out of airports sure. it, it, it's, it's a big part of our budget is it true that domestic flights are down 27 percent from pre 9-11 levels and the budget of the FAA is up 41 percent well look at uh, we we uh, look know it, that. Look it. Uh, this is, it's, look it. Look it. <laughs> this is my look favorite. It. Hey, look it. Hey, you look Quit it. Asking look it. me questions. Yeah, why, why am I here to answer questions? Look it. Don't don't Airlines, do that. Airlines uh, have consolidated. <laughs> We've approved some of those consolidations, and in doing that, uh, you know, a there's certain less no, traffic. There's less traffic, of course. Of course. Uh, but shut but up. More budget. Uh, uh, well, look, uh, look, well, look at budget. Look at look at look at go up and down. But the bottom line here is that there's. Uh, sequester required. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, way to go, Miss Crowley. Yeah, I was. You're a, a champ. I was. Uh, I was. Somebody did that. I was impressed. I have no idea why she did it, though. I, I just don't get it. But there's there's all kinds of shills in this game. Have you been watching? Um, By the way, before you, before you mention that, let me. You know, they keep talking about twenty. One of our producers sent me a note. This guy, I think you got it too, saying, "Why does the number twenty two keep coming up?" 22 days. Oh, 22 days of furlough. 22 days, 22 oh, days. That's a very sacred Illuminati number, 22. Well, actually, it's a contract number. All government contracts, <laughs> you cannot furlough anybody by contract more than 22 days a year. Oh, really? So they maxed it out and said, that's it. They never. No one ever says 23. Interesting. I tell you, it's an Illuminati number, 22. Oh, whatever the case is, is bogus. So, the whole thing is a crock. And the public is just lapping it up. Do you and know, the media is too. They're not helping. Except oh, Candy here, and oh, she didn't. What did, who, Adele? Who watches that? Adele. 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 By the way, you—if you, you're listening to this uh, program, do not be alarmed. Uh, for the next, you know, two and a half hours, we're we're merely suspending the matrix so you can have a little peek. If you get too afraid, if you feel dizzy, just close your eyes. Turn off this podcast. Go to sleep. It'll all go away. Life will return to normal. Show and you'll get even more out of it. <laughs> uh, it'll all go away. Have you ever been, maybe been to that? It reminds me of that um, the Universal Studios tour where you go on that stupid train and you go through the tunnel that's spinning. Have you ever done that train in Universal Studios on the that's tour? The one in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've only went been to Universal in uh, Florida. I'll never forget because I was a kid when we went, so maybe like nine or something. And it was kind of scary because this was the tunnel. You you get on this train, and, the t and I think it was an episode of maybe the Bionic Man or something, or Bionic Woman, Six Million Dollar Man, whatever. I don't know. Where, and it was spinning, and, you, and you're in this tunnel, and of course the tunnel isn't spinning, but there's a, a, a blue and white disc that's spinning around, and you, you, you feel crazy, and the tour guide <laughs> literally says, if you feel dizzy, just look down at the ground, and it'll all go away. And that's kind of how I feel about this show. Like, you know? they, they, we need a clip of that. Yeah, <laughs> we should get a clip. I'm sure some of those people who work there listen to the show while they're doing the tour. Yeah, get us some clips from these these places. So go to um, sxsw.curry.com. All right, hold on. sxsw.curry.com. I think we get a kick out of this. So... You know, they invited me uh, to do something at South by Southwest because, of course, I live here and I'm cheap. Because, uh, you know, there's no travel costs. Not that they pay for it anyway. 
And uh, so they wanted just the- getting by in new media. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it? Currently, so a self-titled government analyst, Adam Curry, <laughs> reads legislation, watches C-SPAN, deconstructs the media, and reports his findings twice weekly on his listener-supported <laughs> No Agenda podcast. Last summer, he toured the U.S. to meet and talk personally with his listeners. Uh, you don't have to read the whole thing. It's okay. You don't have to read the whole to thing. To get a deeper sense of the impact of his efforts <laughs> to help people understand what drives the media and the future of the value-for-value value model. Anyway, it goes on with your history. Right. So they're like, you know, they might be giants who, by the way, have, uh, you know, I was prepping to interview them as, as that was the original deal. They've uh, bailed because they couldn't get a gig playing in town, I guess, which makes sense. You know, you come, you know, they got to pay their own way to South by Southwest, not get paid to do anything. If they can't get a gig, they should do something else. Their new album is outstanding. Ooh. Uh, they might be giants. Oh. You should really uh, have a listen to this because um, they kind of un- a clip? Well, I well I have uh, this one. Minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a whole song, actually. Nice. <laughs> yeah, but they got all kinds of crazy, like Illuminati, you know, New World Order type stuff, but all kind of done in this Richard Cheese type of uh, type of vibe. You know, the typical. They might be giants. So anyway, so they bail, and the guy says, "Well, you want to just talk?" Like, yeah, sure. Value you were supposed for- to interview them? Yeah. Oh, that was the original gig. That was the original gig. And so, so they're not coming. And he's like, well, you want to just do the talk? I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, give, give a, a 25, 30-minute speech. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. Value for value, just getting by in new media. I thought it was kind of catchy. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a good. That's good. Yeah. Maybe I can take this on the road and make some real money. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Hey, can we? Uh, here we go. I think we can. Uh, the spreadsheet appears to be in. Uh, so let us thank our uh, executive. Hopefully, we have executive producers, and yeah, then, then I definitely would like to talk about the entertainment industrial complex, which we've had to deal with uh, for the past uh, couple days. Let me see. This is very annoying. That this phone is ringing here in the. Uh, oh, you have a phone Travis ringing. Heights Congratulations. Uh, yes. Hold on one second. Okay, I'm holding. Uh, while I'm holding. Uh, we can probably my phone off the hook. It started ringing, and it was Mimi during the DH Unplugged show. <laughs> really? Yeah, random. Let's thank a few of our executive producers for show four ninety one, including Random Hillbilly in Elkins, West Virginia, and he'll be our uh, executive producer. And uh, Random Hillbilly here, uh, FYO, I skipped the second feedback section, but do what makes Adam whine less. Really? Oh, I see what he's saying. Oh, it's about it? the reading of these things. <laughs> well, keep whining. Maybe Random Hillbilly keep giving us 333. I, uh, I, my spreadsheet won't open here. I got a real problem. Uh, Noel Oaks in Oatley, New South Wales, $300. I need, I'm a douche of the highest order, having hindered, listened to hundreds of shows and never donated a cent until now. Hopefully uh-huh. you'll receive $300 as per above receipt to help me make amends. I will donate again when I can. Thanks for the great show. And can I have a douchebag followed by a de-douching karma? You bet. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Yeah, the old, uh, the old Mac is struggling a little bit here today. Uh, Christine Mickelson in Wenatchee, Washington, two thirty-three, thirty-three. Another associate executive producer. 
Uh, Heil, Skip, and Biff. Hi, <laughs> everybody. It's a high donation. She says, uh, hell yeah, Washington State, greatest podcast hold in the universe. Hold on, hot diggity, hold, on hold on, hold on. You mean she's high? Yeah. Well, then you yeah, got... Yeah, you, but I can't do a female high. Yeah, you can give it a try, at least. Hi! Hi, <laughs> hell yeah, Washington State. There you go. Greatest podcast in the universe. Hot diggity, you two rock. Amazing deconstruction. I don't know why she's from Jersey. <laughs> that, makes no hey, sense. Hey, hey, maybe they smoke a lot of pot. She's not from no Jersey. Idea. That's don't say these things. She's a hot. She wants a hot pockets karma shot and an LGY. Okay, we can give you a hot pockets karma LGY. Hot pockets. You've got karma. Yay! There you go. Thank you, Christine. And uh, then we have uh, Alex Croak in New York, New York City, 201. Still great show. Thank you. I uh, like a smaller donation segment. I just like some karma to my documentary project filmed in New York, the www.ulule.com. And it's about something or other. <laughs> that was really poor. It's uh, Let me see what it is here. U-L-U-L-E. Hope. Okay. Yeah, well, that's... That's just the site. Something in, I don't know what, in, in Italian. Hope oh, la nuova it migrazione. It is called it. Hope the New Migrations, le nuovo migrazioni, and it is a documentary 60% completed, which they seek financial support necessary to finish. Well, good luck. For $7, you could jump right in. And you become an executive producer? Let me see. For $7... See, this is they're not doing this right. Oh, for $7... Ringariamento sulla pagina pubblica Facebook e sul sito. It's Italian, apparently. So it doesn't say pro executive producero. It's got to be in there somewhere. No. And finally, uh, last executive producer for today's show, 491, is uh, Robert Alter in Kansas City, Missouri. I don't have a note from him at $200. I want to thank them and everybody else who helps support this show with uh, producerships, executive producerships, and wh whatnot. And remind you to go to Dvorak.org slash N-A, channeldvorak.com slash N-A, or you can hit the uh, donate button at both noagendanation.com and noagendashow.com and continue to uh, keep the show going the way it's going. And do we? And, and you will not be disappointed um, today. We have a lot of great uh, deconstruction uh, for you. I, mean, I think we've already started some of it. Uh, do we have uh, some specials for our 500th episode, which is coming up on Easter Sunday, uh, the uh, end of March? Do we have uh, Do we have like a since it's three thirty one? We're going to do like we're going to do something like three one three one three. That would be good. Three one three one three. That's a perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. I come on. I'm, I'm a genius. You are three three one three one three. There you go. Fill it out any way you want, or five hundred. Do we have these pre-programmed? Or I do know, but now that you mentioned three one three one three, I'm putting it in. I'm gonna I'm gonna rewrite the uh, the the sheet at no at dvorak.org slash na the donation this support page. Now, do we get a special five hundred page where people can start uh, contributing uh, ahead of hand, uh, beforehand, yes. and then they'll get a, a double executive producership on the day of? I mean, come on, this is what you normally oh, yeah, no, do. Well, where no, are anyone you? who donates five hundred dollars. Gets an executive producership on the spot, and then a second one on you the get, show. You get exclusive access to John and me. 
And you can call us. <laughs> yeah, you can call us. Yeah, hey, hell yeah. How hey. you doing? Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? Is, uh, <laughs> I want to say hi in the morning. This is the big it, scandal it, right now that um, OFA, which is uh, some you know, one of these political action committees, that that anyone they've been promising people who uh, donated five hundred thousand dollars to the president's campaign. They've been promising uh, quarterly meetings with the president. <laughs> quarterly meetings with the president? Yeah. And, and they can't deliver, can they? I don't know, but the New York Times wrote about this, and you know, this, is, this is a huge scandal, and no one will, will actually deny it. They're all saying, well, you know, this is, of course, crazy, but they're not actually denying the fact. This is crazy talk. $500,000. You can go sit with the president, have a little meeting. I mean, if I had millions of dollars, hell Yeah. Just just to stick my gum under the desk. Yeah, that's well. Actually, that's probably what you'd do exactly. <laughs> exactly what I'd do. So for five hundred dollars, you get uh, quarterly meetings with us. <laughs> you get access. Exclusive. We should put together one of these. They got a lot of these new conferencing systems. Yeah, and we could oh, probably good idea. do something like that. Yeah, we have like a board meeting of all the nights. Yeah, we tried this in Vegas and that failed miserably. You remember that, right? No. Yeah, we, we were supposed to put together a dinner. Oh, the dinner. Well, that's different because that's a timing thing, and it's not. And everyone has to go to Vegas uh, at a teleconference. They can be sitting in their bathtub. So wait a minute. Should we have a patrons of No Agenda board meeting? I think it's a good idea. Interesting. Well, you can do it on like talk shoot. We could do it on Mumble for Christ's sakes. You can have a million people in Mumble. How many people can you have on Mumble? <laughs> How big? How big is your server? I'm sure Void Zero can set something oh, up. We could have a million people server. in, or, or we can just do like a, a talk shoe thing. Or now, do we record this and, and give it out later, or is it just no, exclu- no. Exclusive. exclusive access? <laughs> <laughs> exclusive access, slaves. Not for you. No. All right. I do want to thank. Oh, actually, I, I, what I would like to say. Our art. Our art. No. I, no. I want to say something else. Okay. I, wa- I wanted to say, in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Oh, in the morning to you, uh, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, subs in the water, feet in the air, and also to the dames and knights out there. That's right. In the morning. Also to our human resources in the chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Our artists always uh, there and uh, in place to bring us great art. I mean, Banksy has nothing on our artists. NoAgendaArtGenerator.com. There's always See, a link. Banksy in the... contributing any art to our show. Yeah, screw Banksy. Um, Nick the Rat, thank you for the episode uh, 490 artwork. And I'd also like to thank, um, let's see, here we go, uh, Ramsey, Ramsey Kane, uh, NoAgendaCD.com. Uh, did you get your uh, package of CDs yet? Yeah, I got a big <clears throat> box of CDs, including, I have to say, yeah, they did a great job, and they they look printed. I mean, they look like they're actually manufactured as opposed to burned. Right, and so you're going to start giving these away, obviously. Oh, he's got a bunch of them with the little Korean thing in there. Because I, I think Korean I mentioned thing? this on the show, and he knew this, is that in the Korean area, which is down in Redwood City uh, or further south, is uh, yeah, further south is Mountain View somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, there's a little com- Korean community that has this great supermarket. We go there every once in a while. It's a fantastic place, monstrous and outside, they have all these um, little, uh, you know, where they have the free newspapers and stuff. Yeah. But in the Koreans, like the, instead of giving out free newspapers, they give out CDs. So there's stacks of different kinds of CDs. Oh, you know, right, some, right, right. State guy and somebody else. So we're going to go down there and put the put our stack of CDs. Excellent, there, excellent. Pick excellent. up some Korean listeners. 
<laughs> from North Korea, hopefully. Well. <laughs> so Ramsey sent me this note like a country song. You know, because he sent me you know, your shipments on its way. I, you know, I know it's bad form, you know, without a donation. But, you know, our house is being auctioned off from under us. <laughs> yeah, really. It gets a, uh, Terrible. Yeah, well, the family and I need to find a new place to live. We put an application on a rental in the neighborhood we want to live in, but we're not sure we'll get it. It's tough to find a place when you have a dog, two slavelets, a third one on the way. I'm like, man. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, like, and, uh, let me give the guy a little bit of karma because he's really helping us out. Appreciate it. You've got karma. Man, little uh, New World Order fighting karma. Uh, thank you to Zofia, zoviaart.com, who sent me one of her uh, beautiful pieces of art for the uh, new Travis Heights uh, hideout. And uh, I have here, John, next time we see each other, I'll give you yours, uh, from Lukas from uh, Poland. He gave us two of these name tags, uh, military name tags with ISAF on it, which, of course, is the Afghan security forces. Um, and so it has Curry, Adam, and then my name in Arabic. And it has Dvorak, John C., and then your name below it in Arabic with, you know, with the Velcro on the back that, nice. you, that you stick on your uniform. Um. And uh, it's, it's very nice. And I was just looking at this. I'm like, you know, we have all you this. Get right, walk right through security. It's one of those badges. <laughs> I can't lift my arms. Look at my badge. And uh, I was, I'm looking at this. And I'm like, it's it's really awesome. We have all this military stuff, you know, but we're not actually like getting shot at. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> the feel whole right. It's all militarized. It doesn't. So feel, it doesn't feel right. We're kind of like we're the Betsy Ross of uh, of the U.S. Armed Forces. You know, we're just like dressed up pretty. Doesn't feel right. So there's a, a some years ago, a friend of mine who's still a big uh, shot in the uh, community in the security business. They, I guess, one of the hackers conferences. They, somebody brought a machine and they did, and and they did a deconstruction of a classic uh, name tag. That is that somebody might be wearing if they work for the government, and it had and so and they made them for everybody that went to the thing, and it consisted of their name across the top. It was one of those you know plastic you know badges inside of the plastic. Mm-hmm. Had the photo of the guy, then it had a blue stripe that went from corner to corner. Then it had a bunch of bull crap, just M M N N. You know, it's just like it was some something meant something. Just a bunch of and a serial number in a different font. And the thing looked really slick. This guy says he has been able to just wander oh, around, yeah, just walk around wherever you want to go, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, here's it just you know looks, what? this looks extremely official. So here's where the <laughs> advantage. Here's where you can really take advantage of this. Getting boarding first. Well, maybe you can do that. I don't know how far you can push this, but if when you, I didn't realize this until one time I went to Taiwan, and one of the women that was. Uh, Escorting us over from, from I think it was Acer taking us there, and uh, she was but she was a PR woman, but she dressed in some funny way that made her look to to for all practical purposes she looked like a stewardess. Mm-hmm. And she we all went to the money exchange spot, and she got a different rate. Really, she got she got a better rate. Yeah, and then I hmm. found out that airline personnel and official people on official business and all the rest of it right. get a different exchange rate. Huh. It's like 10% better deal. Huh. So all you have to do is say, we have this badge around you, you go up to the exchange booth, they just take one look at that, and you get a better deal. I say, well, that's outrageous. Well, I think you know they always say, uh, um, you know, we're going to be boarding, and uh, we'll, of course, board our platinum members and any uniformed service personnel. I think I just have this thing. 
and just go up so you get I got oh, I'm uh, you know kind of on the down low today. <laughs> <The cow. laughs> I got I just just a little piece of my uniform. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's uh, Arabic. I, I'm undercover military. That's Arabic. Anyway, thank you so much. We appreciate your help. It is important to us. This is the value for value model. If uh, we're not giving you value, don't give us value. If you don't give us value, we don't give you value. Capiche Dvorak.org slash N A. Now of course you can always do one thing like noagendacd.com is propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out we hit people in the mouth. Citizen. Shut up, <laughs> And before we get too deep in anything, I'd just like to do something a little light for a moment. I received a word from uh, our military contacts. Um, in fact, I have the... Uh, Exact wording here. Let me, uh, oh, that was well prepared, Curry. Here it is. Consultants and advisors are going in to Syria. Expect CW to be deployed, possibly in Europe, to blame AQ. So you know, you know what CW stands for, obviously. No, I don't. Chemical Continuous wave. Chemical weapons. Oh, bull crap. I'll tell you What's something that's one? just come into CNN. Sources telling our Elise Labatt at the State Department that the Obama administration is moving toward increasing aid to the Syrian opposition aid. in the form of non-lethal military equipment and military training. Now, these changes are being talked about with allies right now as part of Secretary of State John Kerry's meetings in Europe. The sources stress the U.S. is not considering providing weapons to the rebels. An important distinction, and one will see if it will last. Yeah. Besides that, of course, a report came out today that uh, U.S.-made M47 anti-tank missiles are being found all over the place in Syria. Uh, this is what we were talking about when uh, when my contact talked about the consultants, the advisors, the the DIA, the Delta. Remember the AGW, the asymmetric, AWG Asymmetric Warfare Group? These are the 5,000 people they're now sending in, and it's DIA, it's CIA. This is what this little news that you just heard here from Aaron Burnett, this actually means we're going in. We're full on in. And uh, yeah, I don't know how these guys even coordinate amongst each other. They all hate each other, but they're in. And uh, and this, this same contact... When he said, I'm worried about Mali, and I said that on this show, one week later, yeah, of course, we already had this from our um, economic hitman, but when our uh, military contact said Mali is it, one week later, it hit. So if he's telling me Syria, it's going to hit, and he's talking about chemical weapons, I tend to believe him. He says there's too Well, they've set us up with the chemical weapon uh, meme really early on. Mm-hmm. If you remember all the news yes, stories, that yeah, was like, oh, he's, oh, he's got chemical weapons. Oh, is he moving them? We had to protect the chemical weapons, and yep. we don't even know they have any chemical well, weapons. Well, this this is kind of agreed upon. This is not the same as Iraq. There is agreement about these chemical weapons, and I'm not getting any uh, any information to the contrary about Syria's chemical weapon stockpile, and that they are dispersed all over the place. So I, I'm thinking, look, I'm just going by what I hear, and so far my contacts have pretty much set me straight when it comes to other things um, that are going on. Uh, so the chem, but, but what I found interesting is was possibly that it 
one of these chemical weapons could be uh, ticked off in Europe to blame AQ and really pull Europe into the whole terror state and everything. I mean, that's possible. It's not like they haven't been testing all kinds of biological weapons. There are kids all over the place going to the hospital with strep this, strep that. You think this is a coincidence? How many kids do you know or does JC know that have wound up with lung problems? There was a uh, a rampant strep outbreak recently in the uh, ferry building uh, merchant area. Well, we have it here in Texas. I mean, uh, I've never seen so much strep, strep. especially in a, in, during a period of time where the weather is actually quite nice here. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful here. We've had in fact, strep is still a thing that just kind of floats around. Rarely, rarely does anyone get it. But it, but it, is it a viral infection? Is it? I mean, how, how? What is strep exactly? Streptococcus is a bacteria. Okay, and it gets in the, the throat area. And I guess somehow, and then if you don't take care of it you get rheumatic fever and then you have a heart problem the rest of your life it's not a good thing to yeah get. And, and but you know these these young kids i'm talking in their 20s are going into the icu with you know pneumonia and all kinds of crazy things that are popping up so i'm to me that means test well they've always tested the american public with these things yeah you know from the in the 30s and the 40s and the just how can you still be alive i don't don't understand they should be throwing people in jail for this but instead they just whatever (laughs) promote them (laughs) yeah give them a yeah give them a better job good work (laughs) like have you seen this uh this is this has got to be my um this has got to be my favorite shadow puppet theater Uh, actually it falls under another jingle heading as well did you see the uh, the latest announcement? You know, the the, the Obama administration. Had, it's, it seemed like someone pulled the plug and just everybody left, all kind of at the same time. And you know, we never really talk about that. If, is I don't know if that's even normal. Uh, but the new, uh, let's see, it was a recess appointment. Chief agricultural negotiator uh, for the U.S. government will be Doctor Islam. Siddiqui, and he still Siddiqweed. is. Siddiqui. <laughs> yeah, is long Siddiqui'd. <laughs> Doctor is long Siddiqui'd. He um, currently is at Crop Life America. So, this is the guy who is going to be in charge of negotiating, uh, uh, I guess, with the agricultural industry about biotech. And pesticides. Now, please go to the Crop Life America website, which you will find at croplifeamerica.org, which is kind of funny. Uh, let's see. The importance of crop protection products right here on the front page. And you really need to go to the about page. It's, it's just outstanding uh, who they about represent. Crop protection? Yes. <laughs> Benefits of pesticides. <laughs> This is a total Monsanto shill, and he's now been, I mean, the guy's been a lobbyist all his life, and now he's all of a sudden, he's on the other side of the table here to shepherd his buddies in, I guess. Well, that reminds me of another screwball story in the ag business, and this was the headline in the Huffington Post, aspartame in milk. Oh, Dairy yeah, industry yeah. seeks approval to drop label for artificial sweeteners. They're going to start taking the crap milk that they make, and then they're going <laughs> to dump a bunch of a bunch of artificial sweeteners. In I it. know. I, it's funny because I saw this. Uh, it's, it's in the show notes from maybe three shows ago because it showed it popped up in the Federal Register where the FDA 
I was opening up for comments, but yeah, essentially, which who reads this except us? Um, the FDA, uh, you know, is saying, oh, we think it's okay. Um, you know, first of all, to have me- milk sweetened at all, and then just to call it n- low sugar, <laughs> low sugar milk. <laughs> why do you need to? I mean, then what, why do we need to make milk sweet? It makes no, no idea. sense. They're just trying to move more aspartame or something. I have no idea. Maybe mm. to make them addicted. I have no idea. This is like somebody has to explain this to me. I didn't know this stuff was that weird. Yeah. I mean, it was toxic. <laughs> Last week, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, acknowledged the 2009 petition from the International Dairy Foods Association, obviously an evil operation, IDFA, and the National Milk Producers Federation, that seeks to drop the FDA requirement to label. Oh, heaven forbid we label what's in these products. <laughs> to label milk and other dairy products as artificially sweetened when they contain sweeteners such as aspartame. Yeah, episode 489. People, li- people, look at your labels. Obviously, this against the law to do this right now, but look on your labels. See if you're already getting it on there. It's very possible that you already have your aspartame in your milk. So it's, and by but, the way, aspartame also is a trigger mechanism to make people hungry. And one of the reasons probably everyone's so damned fat. Well, it, it, it shrinks your brain. I have it here. So it not that crazy where it's illegal? Some research, wait, here, let me just read this. Some researchers have, researchers have found that artificial sweeteners alter people's brain chemistry, making them crave higher calorie foods, which in turn makes them more prone to obesity and diabetes. Mm-hmm. But they want this. They want it. Yeah, we want it. <laughs> we want it in the milk. These guys talk a big game about the health of the public, and then they push this crap. And then here what is. is the FDA going to do? They, they here won't it is. Get here, away to, here. Uh, this is uh, from February 20th. Flavored milk. This is, this, is, this is a little different from what you're reading. Petition to amend the standard of identity. There you go. For milk and 17 additional dairy products. Ho, ho. Filed a petition requesting the agency amend the standard of identity for milk and 17 other dairy products provide for any use for for the use of any safe and suitable any safe and suitable sweetener as an optional ingredient. FDA is issuing this notice to request comments. Hey, you know, since it was all over the news, I'm sure people are uh, up in arms about this. Since our our news media has informed the public immediately of this outrage, yeah, once in a while that does happen. Frozen. I mean, dis- generally speaking, though, it's like the all these guys, the aspartame people, the soybean people, the the uh, uh, canola people. They all they have this public relations companies that go out and they. In fact, there's a if you look at this Huffington Post article, which we'll send it put in the show notes if I remember to send you the link. Yeah. Uh, there's a like you can see a shield right in the comment section mm-hmm. talking about how the stuff is safe, it's delicious, it's perfect. But, <laughs> it's delicious. But, but these guys go so far as to like high fructose corn syrup, for example. We know it can't be used to make chocolate. It can't be used in a lot of candy making because it's not sugar. It's uh, some form that's not. It's not the same as sugar. That's what we know. But but their argument is no, it is it is sugar, and we'd like to change it so we don't have to use the name high fructose corn syrup. We want to make it either corn sugar and then change it to sugar. And we've already seen the corn sugar thing take place. But the way they do the propaganda, as exemplified by this clip, which is the show on ABC called Sub Purgatory, which is about a bunch of 
you know, neurotic women or girls actually in high school. Uh, listen to the way they play this. This was the opening of the show. It was. Tessa, when you first started dating my brother, you put me in a very awkward place. You think you know somebody. You wear their letterman jacket, you put your tongue on top of their tongue, and you move it around only to find out that they are a lying liar who lies their lies directly to your face. Look, I know how you feel. I experienced the same sense of betrayal when I found out the real deal about high fructose corn syrup. I mean, sugar is sugar. Oh, oh. Am I right? Oh. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. So you could take a shit written show and you can still get it on television as long as you have the high fructose corn syrup industry behind you. You know, I'm wondering about the writers of this show because I get the sense that they were told to use this line. And so they use it in the context of someone who's a lying liar, 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 liar. And so the context of that particular comment was in such a negative, no, in a kind of a no, negative I envelope. I disagree. I disagree. I think they. I think they tried to pull. They tried to. You've overanalyzed it. You heard it too much. I heard it for the first time, and it actually meant to me. I heard it just without listening to it a million. This is my first time. I heard. I didn't listen to it a million times. I listened to it three times. All right, all right. Liar, liar, liar. And then I heard it's not like these guys who are the sugar is sugar. No, no, it felt. Exactly the opposite to me. Well, it probably had the opposite effect. I mean, you can't throw this kind of propaganda at the public without it having an impact. It's a problem. But but wait, we can help. We can help. We can help, John. There's still time. Here it is. Number one, the petition states that amending the standard of identity for milk to allow the use of, quote, any safe and suitable sweetener in optional characterizing flavoring ingredients would promote honesty and fair dealing in the interest of consumers by creating consistency in the naming of flavored milk products because flavored milk could contain a non-nutritive sweetener without bearing a nutrient content claim, e.g. reduced sugar, as part of its name. Would the proposed amendments promote honesty and fair dealing in the interest of consumers? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talk about newspeak. Why don't you just bring, in, bring George Orwell back from the dead? <laughs> No, that that will be in the people are disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it 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 is. This is a disgust. Whoever wrote, whoever put that together, is a disgusting person. Well, that's the FDA. Bad upon if you ever ran into (laughs) him or her in public. That's the FDA. The FDA is putting this together. Wrote that. Yeah, the FDA is disgusting. They're not serving the public at all. Obviously, they're serving the interests of of these industries. Well, while, while we're on. It's it's really it's gotten out of control. You you are you are the hashtag trender. I mean, you have started such an incredible trend in the universe. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on, and some will will attribute this to the first lady. I, I'm saying it's John C. Dvorak. This mac and cheese thing is off the hook. Now, I mean, I don't know what it is, but now I'm seeing this everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. I think we're just starting to notice Everybody deserves their mac and cheese. So um, I see on the White House, because the the first lady is out promoting her healthy recipes and her, you know, let's eat healthy, let's move. And uh, so I'm like, oh, I might as well check this out. Healthy recipes from the White House to you. Um, Hi, welcome to the White House. Encouraged, blah, blah, blah. Great, healthier schools. Okay. Please enjoy the enclosed recipes from the White House kitchen. Congratulations again. So number one, the number one recipe, broccoli soup. And then number two, cauliflower mac and cheese. It's like, okay, all right. Then uh, 
I've gotten into the habit of listening to our national treasure, uh, NPR, to pick up. Sorry. On, yeah. Well, I pick up on good story ideas, and I hear this. Right, so you brought us some suggestions because we wanted to expand right. our menu of office cooking. You know, I was thinking about this mug thing. The mug gauntlet was laid down in front of me, and so I picked it up and decided to do a mac and cheese. Mac and cheese in a mug! Ugh. (laughs) It's out of control. I just see mac and cheese everywhere. People are sending me, you know, uh, restaurant menus. The only thing I haven't seen is a mac and cheese food truck. I mean, we're still on... Oh, no, there's apparently there's a... I got a note from someone. no. yeah, no, there's so, been a couple of them. They're back east. Someone's already beat us to it with the mac and cheese food truck? Yeah, yeah. I looked into it. It's like you can buy a turnkey operation uh, here on South Congress. Trailer, everything, the kitchen's $40,000. Yeah, but that's not the van. That That's a trailer where you haul around a barbecue. No, no, it, 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 you got the spot, everything. No, no, it's, we have food trucks here are stationary. They don't move around the ones that we have on South Congress. Uh, oh. We have a, a like a parking lot. With, it's called, the, and they just stay there forever. Yeah, yes, we got one guy who's he's built a container. Uh, that's well, we the, have a the couple of those one. little parks in San Francisco. There's one over by the Costco of all places, and they have a variety. They got one. Let me think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine or ten of these trucks, and they're all different. None of them are the same. They're you know Indian and barbecue and Chinese and whatever. And uh, those stay, and I, I think there's that's happened here and there. But generally speaking, most of these trucks, you see them going across the bridge early in the morning, and, and then they, they, they have a route. They don't always stop at the exact same place. They'll go in one neighborhood for a week, and then they'll go to another area, and then another, and they'll be floating around. They're making, I think, decent money. They're packed. Well, I'm, this is what I'm saying is that we could make super money with this. <sighs> anyway, uh, just I'll wind up our segment. You slaves can get used to mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese, cheese. macaroni and cheap cheddar melted together. Mac and cheese, mac and cheese, mac and cheese. <laughs> As I see, actually, there's a uh, a mac and cheese truck uh, album art that was submitted. I guess we missed that one. It's pretty cool. Mac and cheese, seven dollars. Bacon, add bacon, one dollar. Add spam, two dollars. Add lobster. <laughs> mac and cheese and lobster. <laughs> Well, that'd actually be pretty good. <laughs> that'd be fantastic. That's a tw- that's a twelve dollar item right there. I remind people who don't listen to the show all the time that mac and cheese is a depression era invention. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's when people were starving to death, so they'd use cheap cheese and cheap macaroni, which didn't cost anything, <laughs> and they'd melt them together, and that would be their dinner. And as we pointed out, when the people who shot the you know all the mac and cheese at the store, there's most of it says mac and cheese dinner. It's like a dinner. Dinner. <laughs> It's it's a dinner. Nobody finds this weird. <laughs> I do. And I find it very. Now, I got I got some notes from people that say, you know, hey man, you know, this is actually mom when moms who make mac and cheese for their kids are telling the kids they love them because they're not taking them to McDonald's or Burger King. I guess there's something to it. I mean, it is a step up. But it's yeah, still, no, I agree with that. But it's it is but it's, it's mac and cheese. If the mom liked the kid that much, well, how about making him like a, a you know a substantial meal or something really you know some stir fry or make him a hamburger at home? I mean, what just <laughs> I don't want to take the kids to McDonald's. It's I'm too fat to get out of the house. Make them some mac and cheese, Madge. They like the mac and cheese. They're kids. <laughs> All kids love mac and cheese. You know, a hot dog is probably better for you. 
Little greasy. All it is is grease. Cheap chairs, just grease <laughs> and and starch. So, How is that good? so, John, what is the now that you are a billionaire uh, due to your mac and cheese truck business? What is the secret of your business? Starch and grease, <laughs> and we salt our mac and cheese too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my side hurts. Uh, starch and grease. Very nice. Uh, oh, boy, that really hurt. I got a, like a stitch in my side from that. Oh, oh crap. All right. I, I got so much to talk about, so if you want to roll a clip out or something. Uh, I got a uh, couple of interesting clips. They're... Uh... There's a book out now. Unfortunately, it's in French. But you know how many billionaires there are in China? What do you think? Billionaires? Uh, I mean, there were, let's put it this way. A couple of years ago, there were like 10. Oh, then I'm just going to say 1,000. No. <laughs> no? Billionaires. I'm not talking about guys with some money. There's 114. Uh, you play the book on Chinese. And that's a recipe that's rife for corruption. As my guest today, Marion oh, no, no, don't play that. Sorry, sorry. That clip goes on for days. I only made this as an example of my making a clip so I don't lose the clip. Oh, you I want, accidentally how, sent it to you. Play the other one. How many billionaires in China? Three decades after Deng Xiaoping led China on its first baby steps towards a market economy, the Forbes rich list can barely keep up with the exploding fortunes of China's Tsingkui. That's the new rich in Chinese. At last count, back in October, as recently as October, there were 113 billionaires in China, a quadrupling of the number in the space of just three years. Now, in a country where the Communist Party is still very much paramount, making lots of money also means having to make lots of friends in politics. So essentially, the whole country is... I mean, this can't continue. I mean, this is a... A government's supposed to be sharing, you know, communist, uh, all <laughs> this other bull crap. Sharing. They're not sharing anything. <laughs> no. Screw the sharing. If the Chinese wake, and the Chinese, you know, the Chinese will put up with a lot. But then every once in a while, some leader or somebody will come along and rile them up, and it's will spell doom for them. Well, what was, this well, thing's got to fall well, apart. Hold on. Uh, the, the, well, who was the last guy to do that, and what happened? Mao. Right. So how long ago was that? That was... Uh, the 30s. Six, Right, so that's eighty years ago. Yeah, a short, short, a short time. The Chinese thinking, you know, right, hundreds, right, right. And then, so what right. happened? No, this is important because people, you know, what's going to happen is someone's going to make a movie about Mao, and it'll be completely full of crap. So please tell me what really happened. How did Mao come to power? What did he do? And what happened? I have no idea. Okay, great. Thank you, historian. He's a communist. He came to power during the, Mar- you know, as a follow-up of the Marxist revolution that took place in Russia. They saw an opening because the corruption that was in China was rampant, which was obvious at the, at the last of the, you know, the, the dynasties and all these these emperors. Mm. And they had a couple of revolutions that took place at the same time. One was a military revolution, and there was his, and he had the better the better pitch. Mac and cheese. Get all this cool stuff from us because we're going to divide everything. We're going to steal from the rich and give it to you. And, uh, really? That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's an old pitch. It worked very well. <laughs> it's a great one. He had yes, a better pitch. Mac and cheese. His wife say, hey, quite a mac and cheese. <laughs> oh, God. That's the pitch. 
Okay, uh, that's a good clip. We do, we're, I also have a rundown, for, if you want to hear it, of exactly what happened in, uh, in Italy. Which is now a fiasco. Well, yeah, I you know I've been in touch with Willow um, and asking her my sister asking her a whole bunch of questions. Let's play your clip. What do you have here? Uh, essentially, the rundown of where things are stand right now with the three parties pretty much getting the same amount of votes, and, and none of them want to form a government because all three parties hate each other. Where the Italian government itself is in the midst of a leadership crisis following the general election there, the center left won a narrow victory in the lower house of parliament, but the Senate split with no party in control. The leader of the left is still pledging to form a government if he can. Siobhan Silk has more. A somber post-election speech from Democratic Party leader Pierluigi Bersani. We haven't won, even though we came in first. This is the substance and the reason for our disappointment. The Senate is in stalemate and Bersani's centre-left coalition has a bare majority in Parliament, but he will try to form a government. One option is a very unlikely alliance with Silvio Berlusconi, whom he blames for ruining Italy. The other big bloc is the anti-establishment five-star movement. It holds the balance of power, but its leader Beppe Grillo seems unwilling to consider a coalition. We are heading for historic change in the culture and in the economy. And for this, we must not think about making alliances. The citizens are now the state. Politicians must go home because the game is over for them. Bersani has less time for Grillo's reservations. Everyone must take responsibility. Up till now, the five-star movement has said, everybody go home. But now they are in this too. Either they go home too, or they say what they want to do for this country. All right, so um, they, did, they didn't get necessarily equal votes. Uh, Beppe Grillo's five-star, which I think is a, a very interesting name, uh, got about 25%. So the only thing that could happen is... The other two is, got 29 each. Yeah, so that's more that they they almost a little got a third bit, but they, they they can't. This is the same thing. Isn't this what happened in the Netherlands? They couldn't form a government. Not exactly because they had many more parties, and they. But it's very it's very similar. Yes, it's similar. So that what will happen is uh, what Beppe Grillo says. What I did not get from your clip, which I heard in different clips, is the right and the left will be forced to uh, form a coalition. Uh, and they will rule over the ruins they've already created, and then we'll have a guaranteed election in one year from now, because he says he refuses uh, to uh, go into a coalition with either party, so he would by default be the opposition. I am here to say this Beppe Grillo character stinks. Uh, we, what do we know about him? The only thing people can say, oh, he's a comedian. Very funny. Um, let's see. Um, he, in... Many interviews has always spoken very favorably about Ahmed Ahmadinejad, Osama bin Laden, Ken Livingston. Um, his wife is Iranian. He uh, in 1981 he lost control of his car with three friends, uh, plunged into a ravine. All passengers were killed. He lives. Uh, we know nothing else about this guy. Nothing. I'm saying he's an asset. Put it could in, be. It wouldn't surprise me in yeah. the least. Just like Mao was probably an, an asset, asset too. for who? Well, that's the question. That is the question. Um, I, you know, I think we both kind of agree that 
in the in the warring factions out there that you know Italy has to come down. It would be great. We need to go into war. We you know it's going to take several years, but we know Europe has to go into war. This is no different from any other cycle we discuss. So a good way. To, I mean, Italy's always been kind of on the cusp of all these these wars over there. Yeah, well, you had the cropping up of Mussolini, right? So in he, the twenties, right? And then he just ended up hooking up with, uh, and he was a a, fa- a pure fascisti. He was a fascist, mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. a, the progenitor of the whole fascist movement. And uh, then he hooked up with Hitler, and of course, that was the, the, was the ruin of Italy. <laughs> What's you doing tonight? I'm hooking up with Hitler. Yeah, Hitler seems like a pretty good guy. Yeah, hey, I saw you and Hitler. Did you hook up last night? <laughs> <laughs> And just hook up with Hitler. Is it show title? Show title. <laughs> hook up with Hitler. Write it down. Well, we've got plenty of fascist crap going on here to be worried about uh, what's happening in Italy. Um, and and something happened. I I had one of those magical moments, and it really is because of the cartillary river thingy that it all came together. It all fl- it was flowing in at the same time, and it blew my mind when I when I figured out that these two things were related. Did you hear at all about the president's, um, I guess it's a memo. Let me see what it is. is it, it doesn't have an official title. It's just a directive, I think, um, about IEDs, countering improvised explosive devices. You didn't hear about this at all, right? Uh, did not. Okay. So this was released on the 26th, so two days ago. Let me just see if I have a, there might be a White House... Um, Actually, it does kind of ring a bell. Uh, Let me see. Here, uh, White House policy. This is actually from the White House uh, uh, .gov RSS feed, so that's how I know about it. Uh, Here it is. For immediate release, the White House policy for countering improvised explosive devices. The president signed the White House policy for countering improvised explosive devices today. The policy can be found here. That's their entire news release. Now, so so that came through my uh, my little system there. I'm like, hey, well, you know what? I might as well take a, a take a look at it. Um, and this is going to correlate into something else, which came through one day later. But first, let me just read through this. So, so this is about when you hear the term improvised explosive devices. What do you think of? I think of what I think of is uh, imagining a guy in. A, uh, Iraq that mm-hmm. is floating around the areas where we mine that the the whole place with the, these bombs and digging one up, taking it apart, redesigning it so it becomes a roadside bomb, and then giving it to some character who will plant it along the roadside and then set it off somehow or to set itself off uh, when a uh, a large uh, American convoy or some guys in a black Cadillac drive by it and hit it. That's what I think of. You are so poorly informed, citizen. Huh. Uh, February 26, 2013, from our president. We have no greater responsibility than providing for the safety and security of our citizens, allies, and partners. I'm sorry. That is incorrect, Mr. President. I just want to point out for the record, your responsibility is to defend and uphold the Constitution. But okay, I digress. The use of improvised explosive devices threatens these interests by killing, injuring, and intimidating citizens and political leaders around the world, inflicting damage on U.S. forces on the battlefield and disrupting transportation and the flow of commerce. Skipping ahead. 
Today marks the 20th anniversary of the first World Trade Center attack. Aha, there you go, John. Already, you were incorrect. But that was also an IED. We have come a long way since that time. What? Today marks the 20th anniversary of the first World Trade Center attack. We have come a long way since that time. (laughs) God, I can't believe you wrote that. Our capabilities to counter IEDs have evolved and grown. In issuing this policy statement, I recognize the important achievements to date and establish our priorities for the future in countering that threat. We must not become complacent, but must continue to challenge ourselves and each other to be more effective against these threats as we work together to reach our shared national interests of safety, security, and prosperity. Carry on, slave. So then there's this, uh, this policy document. So already I'm like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Uh, they're saying that other things... Yeah, the first thing you would do, you, Adam Curry, uh, would look at this and go, well, what was the point of this? <laughs> yeah, and, and how and how come all of a sudden is an IED, which I've only heard about in the context as you aptly described, an IED is something that, you know, some guy in the sand, we got a drone for doing it, blows up our our crap and our dudes. That's an IED. No, no, no. Improvise. So here's the strengthening. The, I'm just going to skip through this whole. And by bit. the way, by the way, let's let's just examine this this redefinition. Improvised is a is a key word in it. Yes, which means you're kind of ad libbing it. Yeah, yeah. So the guy the who, who built the bomb that was under the 1993, which, uh, which which I'll point out was in a truck. It was which in a truck. It was all it very was given to him designed. by the FBI. The FBI gave him this. It was not. Like so, you know, we, this is well known. It's documented. The FBI said, "Oh, here's this truck, and we've set it all up for you." You know that, right? I don't have to tell you this. No, I don't know that. All right, well, look it up. <laughs> look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for that. I got. I'm, I, this is like I can't go back to '93. I can't go back to '911. I got to move forward. Means a little roadside by. It doesn't mean somebody who builds a. You know, they, they, so guess what the what the uh, Iranians are doing is or IEDs. These nukes are supposed to be designing. Well, that's all. Well, this is what's interesting about the definition. This is you. You've nailed it exactly. Improvised explosive devices, IEDs, remain one of the most accessible weapons available to terrorists and criminals to damage critical infrastructure and inflict casualties, as was demonstrated in the attempted bombing of Northwest Flight 253 on December 25, 2009. So it's the no crotch bomb or the other one? The crotch bomb. Shoe bomb, the no, crotch no. bomb, or IEDs now? The crotch oh, bomb please. was an IED. Okay, so they redefined wait, for wait, some wait, wait. Unknown reason. No, it's, no, the reason I'm going to tell you. Yeah, I know. I'm saying for un- some unknown reason on the surface, you, you, me, the deconstructionist of the day for the moment are going to tell us what this is really about and I'm sure it's going to be interesting. Yeah, but I just have to move through it a little bit more. Because you have to understand the scope of this. This administration is so they also say um, the 2010 air cargo plot that was basically the inter, the uh, the, the printer ink bomb, so those are also yeah, IEDs. Plot. Yeah. This administration is expanding and broadening its counter-IED focus, building upon existing policy and strategy, which establish and implement measures to discover, prevent, protect against, respond to, recover from, and mitigate IED attacks and their consequences at home or abroad. 
So then uh, they, they, they had these points, leveraging, integrating, aligning United States government efforts. So basically, the, every, hey, everyone in the government, get together. We're, this is our new terror, new terror IEDs. Enhancing our focus on protecting American lives. To better meet the IED threat at home, we will seek to incorporate lessons learned abroad while respecting legal and policy factors relevant to domestic counter-IED operations. Which means, screw your privacy. Promoting cooperation with governmental, international, and private sector partners. The United States will work with partners to reduce the IED threat by sharing intelligence. Sharing intelligence, building capacity, and developing complementary activities with the private sector. Sound familiar? Screening, detecting, and protecting our people, facilities, transportation systems, critical infrastructure, as well as the flow of legitimate commerce. This is the mother load, John. We will continue to develop and use advanced protection and detection technologies and capabilities with our allies and at home by effectively deploying and integrating these technologies and capabilities into our critical infrastructure and transportation systems to decrease the risk of IED attack while facilitating legitimate trade and travel. So whereas we had Al-Qaeda and all this frightening stuff over there and IEDs, now you will hear continuously of the IED threat here at home, IEDs is going to be your new terror word. So here's what happens. Screen, detect, protect. Screen, detect, protect. The Department of Homeland Security uses intelligence gathered by other departments and agencies to best position screening measures that keep explosives out of transportation systems. Screen, detect, protect. Conclusion. The threat from IED use is likely to remain high in the coming decade and will continue to evolve in response to our abilities to counter them. So what is being talked about here is sharing intelligence, screen, detect, protect, and on the heels of that comes the next mention as registered in the Federal Register for information collection, technical resource for incident prevention, user registration. Where have we heard this term before? This came come one day after the IED threat. Technical resource for incident prevention. What does that spell? It spells gun registration. No. No, no, no. Try it again. You, you, it spells it's an, uh, uh, wiretapping. Get to the acronym. Oh. ID. National ID. Technical resource for incident prevention. Oh, technical resource for incident prevention. Trip. Trip. Remember we had this whole story, Tripwire? Oh, Tripwire, right. It was an operation called Tripwire. Tripwire was, is basically the, the, the dragnet of scanning everything we do. So, right, for that big computer they're putting up in Utah. The technical resource Denver. for incident prevention, Tripwire, it literally says it here in this registration, is OBP, and OBP is the Office for Bomb Prevention. Did you know we had that? <laughs> the Office for Bomb Prevention. I'm telling really? you. Online collaborative information sharing network for bomb squad, law enforcement, and other emergency services personnel to learn about current terrorist improvised explosive device tactics, techniques, and procedures, including design and emplacement considerations. 
Tripwire was established as an IED information sharing resource under Homeland Security Presidential Directive 19, which calls for a unified national policy for the prevention and detection and protection against and response to terrorist use of improvised explosives in the United States. Tripwire is now legitimate. Tripwire is everything we know about you goes into the central Tripwire database under this presidential memoranda and the directive because of improvised explosive devices. And you will see the entire citizenry of the United States submit and give all their information because we don't want to be blown up by an IED. And I well, wait, hold on a second. Let me just ask you a simple question before you go on. Since 9-11, how many IEDs of this nature have blowed up in the United States to begin with? With the redefinition, with the redefinition, several. Because the underwear bomber was an IED. Didn't go up, didn't blow up. Ah, but you have to be afraid of it. I mean, obviously, I understand what you're trying to do, and I appreciate it. But you're... you're, There hasn't been one incident that I can think of. Your silly logical banter is no good here. So this is this is bigger than than anyone realizes, I believe. And the, you watch. I mean, you can put this in the book IEDs, and you can. And the great thing about an IED, it's it's like anonymous. You just pop one off. Oh, a terrorist IED! Yeah, well, no. they're going to have by your logic, or by my logic. They're going to have to blow up some phony baloney IEDs to make this work. Absolutely. Yes, of course. Of course. Well, I know exactly what we're going to do. You know all these houses that keep popping off? Gas explosions. Why don't we just call them IEDs? Gives a crap. It's easy. Don't even have to plan anything. Oh, terrorist IED. (laughs) Why would you blow up the teacher's house? Yeah, because... You're going to have to have a logical reason. This this is not going to fly. What do you, you mean it's not going to fly? Unless it's, they do a real, you know, they actually kill somebody, which is not that outside oh, the realm of possibility. No, I think they will kill somebody. So they'll kill somebody. Yeah, somebody. He'll drive over it. And no, now, no, no, like, John, you, you're missing the point. I'm sorry. I, I got to take it back. This is not like a ro- the road is not going to blow up. Okay. They're caught. It's, it's a change in terms. Yeah, you, no, I understand the change in definition. So a guy with a pipe bomb throwing it at a bank. Yeah. Uh, it's a yeah. Or an exploding crotch. It's, it's, it's all IED. Honey, I got an IED here that you won't believe. All right, well. And this is to shepherd in the legitimization of tripwire for the Office of Bomb Prevention. My <laughs> goodness. Do they have a website? They must have a website. Office of Bomb there you go. Google even knows about it. OBP. I down with OBP. Hey, you know me. Office for Bomb Prevention leads the Department of Homeland Security's efforts to implement the national policy for countering improvised explosive devices. Oh, I should have looked this up. And enhance the nation's ability to prevent, protect, and respond to and mitigate the terrorist use of explosives against critical infrastructure, the private sector, the federal, state, local, tribal, and ter- territorial entities. Awesome. Just awesome. Tripwire. It's, it's all right here. It's not even yeah, it's hiding a money it. grab of some sort. I wonder who's getting the money. Follow the money. Well, who is the... Uh, I wonder who leads it. Who runs that leadership? Patrick Stark. Okay. We can send him an email. OBP at DHS.gov. Send him this, uh, send him this episode. 
<laughs> no, actually, don't. Yeah, don't. <laughs> don't. Philip Stark? No, Patrick Stark. Patrick Stark. Tony Stark. <laughs> He's probably related. <laughs> Patrick Stark. No one knows. He could be related to Philip Stark. I wonder if they have an executive profile on him. No. Patrick. LinkedIn. Oh, yes, he has a LinkedIn page. Oh, we love that. Okay, here we go. He looks like a douche. Previous. Uh, his name is Peter? Was Patrick. It? Patrick Stark. I thought I was logged in here. Um, previously, the FBI, SAIC, the oh, U.S. A permanent Navy. guy, yeah. These guys are all the same. Yeah. Look at him. I don't see him. S-T-A-R-K-E. Oh, okay. He has, he has 390 connections. That stinks. <laughs> I thought, but I'm I'm logged in, but I'm not getting any. Do I have to when pay? It's, when it's when it's when it's can't, can't, uh, concatenated, yeah. it's it says Chief Office for Bombing. <laughs> it does. <laughs> chief Office for Bombing. There you go. That's his chief his chief goal. It's the bomb. Dedicated professional career of twenty years of strategic and tactical results oriented management and leadership expertise. In service to the United <laughs> States, possesses a track record of consistent mission accomplishment, visionary initiative, and unquestionable loyalty. Oh, Profes- <laughs> professional experience extends to international venues to include. Okay, he's a spook. To include <laughs> Europe, Africa, the Middle East, Southeast uh, Asia, uh, giveaway, uh-huh. and the Americas, giveaway <laughs> number two. Can we, see. can we create an IED group on LinkedIn and connect us to him? Yeah, probably. Can you do that? Yeah, anti-IED uh, LinkedIn group. No, just IED. I don't think it should okay, be anti. IED. I think it should be anti. IED information. <laughs> I think it should just be IED. That's funny. So what did he do? He was a surface warfare officer in the Navy. Then he went on to special ops. Uh, he was actually in ordnance disposal. Oh, there you go. He knows all about it. In the him. Navy. And then he was a senior analyst. Mm-hmm. Analyst. <laughs> At yes. some company, some uh-huh. company, or some no, some some quasi government covered SAIC, uh-huh. which I think uh, what what is that? That's the uh, strategic SAIC is um, yeah, that's uh, School of the Art Institute of Chicago. <laughs> no. no, Science Applications International. Mm, no, Shanghai Automotive Industry Corporation. Yeah, I think it's Science Applications I International. Think I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah, it located headquartered in McLean, Virginia. <laughs> By coincidence, I bet he has lots of friends. <laughs> I'm sure he does. <laughs> so he was working there. And you, by the way, people out there, new listeners, so go watch the. Uh, it's on. Uh, I believe it's on Netflix or Amazon. The uh, 13 episode series. Uh, Called Rubicon, mm. which is about yeah, one of these still out there, options. still out there. So and then he became a program manager right out of there for some unknown reason in counterterrorism at the FBI. Oh, really? That's and now he's at U.S. Homeland Security. So that so we know where he, what this is all about. Right. This is just more, uh, intelligence guys. Um, yeah, but it, the the bothersome right. thing here is Tripwire. Go back and look at all. Just Google Tripwire. Look at all all the stories about it, and it's it's illegal. It is completely illegal taking your information. I'm sorry, you're not even taking it. 
companies are giving it to them and entering it into Tripwire. Google is yeah. putting it into they're putting that stuff into Tripwire. Yeah. And just like, you know, you know, you can wind here's what here's my problem with all this. So here I am, I'm 48 years old. I've been through I've been through I've seen times. I've been through some stuff. I've got a, a FICA report that that smells like a, a, a graveyard. It's poop. And I can't do anything about it. You know, it stays. I've got stuff on my record that is there. That's just going to be there until 2019. And you, can, yeah. Well, you're going to be you're going to be red flagged. So I'm red flagged for everything that, as it comes when it comes to financial everything. I can never get uh, a loan. Nothing. Just and it's it's ridiculous stuff. It's just oh well. You know, you don't have any. any no, there's, there's no good news. I'm surprised you can get a, a debit card. <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> we don't even trust you with your own money, Mr. Curry. This is no good. <laughs> so, But this will happen with, with these types of programs. You're going to have some kind of report about you, and something weird will get entered. Something weird you do. And if you're a do. working guy, a guy who works for a living, you know, like most of our listeners, you, don't, you, don't, you can't just generate money out of the blue like most people. Very few people can do that. You are screwed. C- correct. You can't get a house. You can't get a loan. You no, can't get a no, car. No. I mean, you have to buy everything cash, and so you're saving all the time. Exactly. And you can't get a good job because if you can't get a, if you don't have a good FICA score, they won't hire you anymore yep, because you're yep, a risk. Yep. You know, the, the logic is that well, if he, he doesn't have a good score, then he might steal the money from the company, <laughs> so we can't afford to hire him. <laughs> it's risky. Too risky. Too risky to. Well, I think I, I pretty much blew all my hiring chances quite a while ago, John. I, I think the show has not uh, necessarily helped with any uh, potential hiring <laughs> in the show. future. Yeah, the show probably, whoa, what, what? You were involved with what? <laughs> a show that was actually giving real news to the public? Oh, we'll have none of that. That's no good. No, give him a lousy rating. Tell me. Make a show my school by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. No job for you. Few people did help us out on show uh, 491, including Nate Mossman in Canton, Georgia, who gave us $125 and says, I like short notes. A new donor. And he's a new donor, along with Robert Alter in Kansas City, Missouri. I can't find his note, but I did see a, there's a little mention, 12407, the most uninteresting number Ooh. in the universe. Are you sure? Um, I have a feeling that we have a note. Uh, I'll look for one. I'll, 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 I'll look for it while you continue. Peter Tangstrom in Amsterdam. Hey, now. Which I believe is in Holland. <laughs> uh, 121.50. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Plain karma would be appreciated. Okay, we'll give you that. Some karma, not a problem. You've got karma. Spiros Spiros Betas in Nepani, Ontario, which just wants karma. Okay, got that for you. You've got Karma. I have nothing from Robert Alter. Nothing. Bruce D. Holland in Sino, California, $111. This is because I appreciate your work. No dancing required, monkeys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, this is this is how I like to roll. Thank you very much, people. Love you. Ian Holm in Caroline Springs. Ian, no less. Really? Australia. Ian. How about Ian? I'll try that. Did I say, what did I say? Ian. I always say Ian. 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 Uh, Ian, <laughs> hi Skip and Biff. Stop nothing to say. Stop no in, inane jingles. Stop. Oh, it's like a. This is like a 
parody of a uh, telegram. Oh, okay. I skip a bit. Stop. Nothing to say. Stop. No inane jingle. Stop. Just karma for wife and daughter. Stop. Oh. Ian, home. Stop. <laughs> Caroline Springs, Victoria, Australia. Stop. All right. Karma. Stop. You've got karma. Uh, just about Australia, just for a second. Um, starting May 31st, the, gov- the government will be able to transfer all money from accounts in Australia that have not been used for three years into the state's coffers. How crazy is that? That's what they've been doing in the United States for decades. Yeah, but you can get it back. Oh, you can't get it back? No. What? No, it's just gone. Is they take it? They take it from you. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The money can be claimed, but the process ah. will take months. Oh well, here it takes years. No, it doesn't. I I, I got I got it from. Couple of pieces. We had a we had like a thousand dollars that the state of California stole from me, <laughs> and uh, it took us almost a year to get it back. They said, "Oh, we didn't get your request." Oh, oh really? So how? Uh, I don't understand. Why is that even okay? The governments do that. I mean, that this is not okay. Because nobody said anything when they decided to do it. Oh, it's for your protection. Oh, we don't. The, and why would these institutions go along with it? Because there's money in their bank. Yeah. That they. They don't do this in Switzerland. No. I guarantee there's lots of dead money in Switzerland banks, and they yeah. they're not giving it to the Swiss government. Uh. Uh-uh. Hmm. Okay. Mike Schumacher in Rancho Cucamonga, California, ninety nine ninety nine. Uh, niner 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 niner. Oh. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Just karma for us both, and thanks for the best podcast in the universe. Oh, thank you so much. Mike. You've got karma. Sir Mike. Another, Sir Mike. Another Niner Niner Niner. Sir Dennis Cruz in Beaverton, Oregon. Oh. From a founding producer. That's right. Cheers to all and karma for those who deserve and need it. Da Den Man at hotcoffee.org. A uh, strong contributor to the network. You've got karma. And to the show. Thank you, Sir, Sir Da Den Man. Brad Lupton in Kyle, Texas, eighty-eight, eighty-seven. He appreciates our hard work. He's actually, in, yeah, he's in Kyle, Texas. Brent Dombrowski in Colorado Springs, eighty-six, 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 eighty-six to eighty-six. The long notes. Ooh, Kiki and Karma. That is actually a breakfast of champions. So let me bring that to you, <laughs> Kiki. As you threw me off. Shut up already. Science. You've got karma. You know, Business Insider. You familiar with this publication? Oh, yeah. They, uh, what, what kind of outfit is that? Where'd they come They just kind of, like, appeared. Yeah, it's the guy who, uh, what's his name? The uh, the stock guy who became, let me think of his name. Um, oh, shit, I can't remember. It's weird, I can't remember his name. But he's a very Buffett. famous. No. <laughs> it's a stock market guy who was, who was, I guess, damn near arrested for... Stansbury Research? No. Anyway, a stockbroker guy who was arrested. I can't remember his name. He's on Yahoo. uh, I don't know why I can't remember his name. I know who he is. And I know his uh, his wife is a very famous PR woman. Go to to this URL. SexyScience.curry.com SexyScience.curry.com So this is a business insider thing, which I liked, but I was very disappointed. 
Have you got it yet? Yeah, I'm looking at her. Heather so, Knight is the founder of the Marilyn Mon robot. Yeah, but, but look at what this is, the sexiest scientist alive. It is the 50 sexy scientist list. So oh, it is. So down below, you click on it, and uh, for some reason, it, like, scrolls all over the place. I don't see place. anything that down click on Yeah, so you see. Oh, see who made our sexy scientist list. Yeah. No, Dr. Kiki. Oh, Dr. Kiki should be on there. Are you kidding me? She should be, like, number two. But I want to I want to bring to your attention uh, number. Hold on a second. Where is she? How about this douchebag? <laughs> no, the guy with that soul patch. <laughs> He's not sexy. But wait, wait, wait. You want to go to number? Let's see. Where is she? Uh, oh, I can't find her now. Oh, look she... at this guy. This <laughs> guy's hi there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a douche. Mostly men. Uh, hold on. Here, number 37. Uh, she's number 13 in the slideshow. She's kind of like Tina Fey without the scar. Oh, yeah. Tally. She has a big jaw. No Tally Sher- Yeah, but listen. Fun fact. She is a descendant of Karl Marx. <laughs> fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> she look, but she's hot, though. Look she's at her. attractive. No, she's hot. I would call her hot. Oh, come on. Look at her. She can just, you're just like, I'm going to science your, with yourself into ecstasy. Yeah. She studies the neuroscience of emotion, social interaction, decision-making, and memory. Oh, this is my kind of scientist. Yeah, I mean, she can't remember anything. Specifically, her, her lab studies how our experience of emotion impacts how we think and behave on a daily basis. And when we suffer from mental illnesses like depression and anxiety, I want to be in your lab, Tally. Karl Marx descendant. Fun fact. <laughs> now, hold on a second. Number one is Boback Ferdowsi. Who, who's got like a, he's got a mohawk. <laughs> Where are you? Rachel Armstrong the is number kind of one. one. Well, how do you get to number one? You just go all the way to the right. You can click that arrow till you get all the way there. This guy is the sexiest guy? That's what it says, number one. Oh, he's the douchebag from uh, Elon Musk's outfit. Oh, really? Yeah, he's not, not uh, Elon Musk. He's the, the Mars Curiosity rover dude. Yeah. And he, he always shaves like that. Really? He yeah, shaves he's got different a couple stars painted on his head. Shave a 33 in there and all. And I'm sorry, boring. ladies, he's a girl. He's got a girlfriend. That's the first thing. <laughs> fun, fun fact. <laughs> And believe it or not, fun fact, for a guy who works at NASA, he's a major Star Trek fan. <laughs> the fun facts are great. <laughs> we need fun facts about ourselves. Fun fact. John likes... <laughs> he has some fun facts. <laughs> fun fact. John likes salsa dancing, karaoke, traveling, and film festivals. <laughs> yeah. Jean-Baptiste Michel. Fun fact. He likes modern family. And listens to the Black Keys. Yeah. Yo, really? Fun fact. He's a hipster douchebag. Unbelievable. But anyway, wow. Cleo Cresswell, number seven. <laughs> Australian. Now you're talking. Fun fact. Seven? Fun fact. Uh, yeah, well, Australians are pretty. If she's not at her desk brain working, <laughs> you'll, you'll fi- find her at the gym, either <laughs> bench pressing her body weight. <laughs> Or stand, or hanging upside down from the gym rings, <laughs> right? I got a sex swing that has your name on it, <laughs> Cleo Cresswell. <laughs> All 
All right. We digress. I'm sorry. But anyway, I'm disappointed. I think Dr. Kiki could have easily been on, and and I promote her because we, we abuse her every single show. I think Dr. Kiki easily could have been on this list, and I think it's, yeah. a, it's a huge mistake. And she since you free publicity from us. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, onward. onward. <laughs> Jeez. No wonder this section takes so long. Matt Raston in Murdoch, Western Australia, 80. Medium-term boner, first-time donor. I would have contributed earlier, but I've decided to take six months off from working and drive around the country and generally be a bum. Fuck the system. Hey, now. I really appreciate you, the work you guys do and wish you all the best. Not sure if you're still doing it, but could I hear that African guy who explains everything and the general purpose karma? What? The African, yeah, the, African that, that guy? crazy clip that I had of the guy trying to explain stuff, and it was just a bunch of nonsense. You played it once recently. Oh, what was it called? It was, um, oh. Uh, wow. Did I save that? Did I, I should have saved that as an evergreen, I presume. Yeah, I don't know whether you did or not. No, it is you, pretty funny. Do you know what it would be called? No. Mm, I'm sorry, Idiots, man. probably. Okay, I'll like give him that. karma, though. I'm sorry, man. I, I don't know what it's called. You've got karma. Idiot. Let me see if it's Idiot. No, no I mean, it's naming conventions. Well, I'm trying, but no, unfortunately. Gee, Anonymous, I, 75 bucks job karma. All right, job karma for you, my friend. We need some of that ourselves. You've got karma. At Astoria, Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, $75. No witty repartee. Please throw some value for value accounting certification karma my way. Love, Love Matt. Matt. You've got karma. Thomas Imbrex. In Namur, I don't know where that is, uh, 72 for some reason. According to the exchange rate, I'm at the same do I'm sorry, according to the exchange rate at the time of donation, this is 5510 euros, which is $72. I'm also sending a short note to the NA feedback inbox. Did you get that? I got it. Okay. What does it say? It's not short. <laughs> it's, it's any, well, it's about... Uh, uh, about the jingle. He said, quick note about the oldest, most played, the uh, time-consuming jingles. He says, uh, oh, this is this is kind of what he said. I donated 55, uh, 10 euros, $72 today. I got punched by a complete stranger who also broke my brand new 400 euro glasses just two days after my latest donation this summer. Hope this one goes better. Maybe it's because John didn't pronounce my name right that time. Oh, that wasn't it. He didn't ask for karma. That's the reason. Give him some karma. It won't right. happen again. All right. We don't want that happening. <laughs> You've got some karma. Guy. Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. He's wandering around with a pair of nice glasses, and some guy looks at him and punches him in the face? That's <laughs> Germany, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm just Chris guessing. Ball in Chicago. You're listening to No Agenda. Boom. <laughs> Chris Ball, Chicago, Illinois. 7126. Thanks for all the hard work you do. We appreciate it. A job karma would be great. You've got karma. Thomas Kilbride, $70, and from Parts Unknown, Scott Akron in Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott in Akron, Ohio. Uh, is he a birthday? We got that. A double shot of D-douche karma uh, is what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. You've been D-douched. You've got karma. The best podcast in the universe. Sir Zog in Elwood, Illinois. Long note. He says his goofy state legislature is trying to come up with a concealed carry law to comply with the recent 7th District Court rulings. Okay. 
Uh, we've, I'm going to skip, skip, skip. And he wants a douchebag for the Illinois State Legislature. Douchebag. He passed his general and tech right off the top oh. when he went to get his hand license and fell six answers short of his extra oh. on the first time. Very KC9, good. YJY. Hey, 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 KF5. Now, uh, I'm talking to random old dudes on, dudes on two meters. Can I tell you something weird? What? The, over the, um, the past two days, I did my first Morse code uh, contacts. Yeah. I did Russia 10 watts. But I'm doing it with the key. I mean, I'm literally going do, 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 do. <laughs> You're actually running a key. I'm running a key. Yeah, I'm. I'm wow. actually. Yeah, I know. It's it's pretty wild, isn't it? That is sick. Yeah, but it's. I have to say, it's something really exciting about because uh, you know all the digital modes where you know you're typing it on a keyboard and it, brr, 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 and it goes back and forth and and you people are using macros and everything, but uh, when someone's keying with you. You can you could there's a personality thing, you know, because well first of all they have to really slow down because I can't I can't copy, you know, if someone's so going do really you, fast. Do you can you understand them as it comes across? Are you at the point where you just you can hear Morse code? Yes. But uh, no more than ten words a minute. But what happens is as because it's kind of like texting. So um all these and I didn't know this, but you know, it'll be like uh are you it'll literally be uh are you you know the letter R, letter U, T U for thank you. So all these kind of for SMS, yeah. all the yeah, all these kind of SMS acronyms, and so you kind of fall into the rhythm. And you kind of figure it out, and then even if you miss some things, you can kind of pick it up. And and of course, the more you do it, the more the better you get. But I like having like a guy who's in his truck, and he's keying <laughs> while he's driving. Oh, that's cool. It's very cool because he, he he's in the zone, right? He's just driving and he's listening. He's hearing dee dee da dee da dee da da da, and then he's he's got a, a key on his uh, on his uh, thigh. <laughs> he's keying along while he's driving on the road. I think you could take here's here's the deal. You can take those shifting paddles on some cars. <laughs> and really, you just hit them right and left, and you <laughs> yeah, you'd have one would be a dot and one would be a dash, and you'd do it with the two thumbs. As you're driving around, I think that would be that would be a great gimmick for any car with shifting pals, and it's totally legal. Here, listen, listen. I'll I'll, I'll give you a, a quick demo. There you go. What'd you say? I said. Da, 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 da. CQ, 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 Decaya 5 SLN. Oh, cool. <laughs> so anyway. Right. So uh, I hope to work, hope to key with you soon. Keying random dudes. <laughs> Woo! All right. We now go to our 69. 69! 69, dudes! All right. Which again has faded to very few. We're down to three. Yes, the last time there was only two. Wow. Sean Hogan in Utica, New York. Is, love you guys. Can't live without you. Please give Chris Schwerzek a two to the head. Oh. <laughs> now oh. donate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Craig Dashnow in Brunswick, Victoria. Hi, Bill and Ted. Craig, yet another American in Australia here. Hold I quit on a listening for a while, but I started listening a couple months ago. And I, although I was one of the first people to donate in the olden days, please de douche me for not donating lately. I agree. Anything else? 
uh, John, the next time you drive by the Port Angeles High School, give them the finger <laughs> from me for trying to f- for trying and failing to make me an obedient, soul dead conformist. <laughs> Can you please give me karma for a new job as I'm losing my current one? Thanks, Telestra. Telstra. Oh, Telstra. Oh, is that in that the Canadian? Uh... Right. Yeah, thing. All right, here we go. You've been deep. And I'll give you karma since I hit it. I hit You've it got anyway. karma. I hit it. I hit that. Finally, Garrett Reed in San Diego, California, 6969. Um, he's from Sandy Huevos, California. <laughs> oh, drunk donation. It's my birthday Tuesday, the 26th, and I want to share my joy of not being a Darwin Award nominee this year with you. Love this show and send me some swazzle enough karma and uh, science is in followed by LGY. That is all. You are the best thing to exist since vagina. <laughs> the science is in. <laughs> You've got karma. My mother, rest her soul, would be so proud. Yeah. Mommy, oh, yeah. mommy, I just want you to know my listeners think that we're, we're the best thing since vagina. Yeah, yeah. Eric Ortega in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't we have to wrap up our segment there, brother? We got to make oh, yeah. sure to close it up. 69! 69! Yeah, because we won't be playing that jingle much longer. It's a goner. It's 56, over. 5698. Congrats to Miss Mickey. Welcome, short and sweet. 73's N3 TUX. Oh, that's right. Miss Mickey, she got her medical for her slave uh, entrance exam. Oh, for a bracelet. <laughs> for, for the ankle bracelet, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, she she did a good job though. She you know she uh, she had to get proof with the actual dates that she was a inoculated. Bull crap shots. Well, she didn't have to take the shots because she um, she already <clears throat> had the shots. Yeah, when she was a kid, when she was like three months old, you you get your shots. Yeah, you get all these shots. When but you born. have to prove it, and and so she had to have her doctor. She had to find the doctor who was still alive in Holland who gave her the shots, and he had to sign a note with the dates that he gave them, which, of course, right? He, he did. Yeah. He did. He did. Nice. And, yeah. Pff, yeah, nice. Thank you. She but, didn't have to get boosters? Oh, he also signed for the boosters. Oh, good deal. Yeah. All right. Chantel James and Shaguanas. Hi, Adam and John. My husband, Arthur J.R., is an interview on Friday. I want him to know that he will do great. So, please, the best podcast in the universe. Send him karma to give him confidence. Thanks. All the way from Trinidad and Tobago. All right, Chantal. How cute and nice of you. Send pictures. You've got karma. Graham Wolf in Wichita, Kansas. Double nickels on the dime. Can't thank you enough for the hard work you put in the best podcast in the universe. Hope it happens. Slick enough to pull off a new world order jingle with a don't eat me Hillary stuck in the middle. Uh, new world order. Oh, don't eat. Oh, okay. Uh, I get it. Um, hold on a second. This is not easy, people. Uh, where is it? Where is the thing here? Uh... What up? Not bad, huh? That's a good idea. <laughs> I, <laughs> Don't <laughs> ask again. <laughs> good one. I like it. I like it. Mark Magapeo in Cerritos, California. Double nickels on the dime. Keep up the great work. Reminded that people should subscribe and support the show. Can I get a Dr. Kiki in the morning karma? Yeah, you sure can. Shut up already. It's science. In the morning. 
You've got karma. Another person from Beaverton, Oregon, uh, only he's anonymous, so he can't hook him or her up with the other Beaverton person. Keeping it short, in the morning, I'd like to ask that you encourage people to follow at Freedom NW, Freedom Northwest on Twitter, and to follow, review the material I sent over regarding the Oregon firearms legislation, which we may go into later today or on the show on uh, Sunday. I, so, I, they're I, trying to shut down yeah. you know, the Oregonians, which are pretty independent. With, well, with, with insurance, with exactly what we That's predicted. one of the scams, yeah, with insurance. all kinds of other crap. So Greg Stone. It's in the show, and, let me just say, it's in the show notes. You can find it there under the War on Ammo. Good. Sir Greg Stone, Rapid City, South Dakota, double nickels. Uh, just some karma. All right. Karma. You've got karma. Also double nickels uh, from Benjamin Dorsey in St. Paul, Minnesota. Needs some stroke recovery karma. Absolutely. Come on back from the strokes. You've got karma. And uh, James Deering in Lufkin, Texas. Double nickels. He would like some. Uh, his wife and he, he and his wife enjoy the show, and he would like some work, new job, money karma. He says something else. Well, he says, "Do not read the note." No, he says, "Adam, do not read this." Well, you never read the note anyway. No, I said, "Oh, I see." John, we've been having an awful lot of weather lately, and I was wondering if you could start another rain stick war with Adam. Him is karma. I'm I'm rain sticking you. I wish it would rain here. I'm rain sticking you. Karma. You know we did this the other day, and did you see see what happened? We had a blizzard in Texas. Well, you deserved it. <laughs> we had it's because you're waving your rain rain stick locally. My love. I'm waving my wand. Well, let's, let's see what Hank, happens. Hank Vavers in Leuvarden. Hank Vavers. What I said in Leuvarden. Leuvarden. Yes. Leo Warden. Leo Warden. Yeah, 55. Noel Vincente or Vincent. <laughs> Leo Warden is where the Justice Department is. Oh, is it? Yeah, if you, if you like, get sued, you got to go to court there. Hmm. <clears throat> I'm reliably informed. Noel Vincent in Landing, New Jersey. Thank you for the show. Uh, first time donor convinced by repeated on-air douchebag guilt from Sambo. Uh, crackpot news tip. A cable guy tells me Heath insurance providers health. are trying to purchase massive backbone-level network infrastructure. Health insurance providers. Oh, health. I don't know what a Heath insurance provider was. <laughs> so they're going to do something. I don't know what. Well, hold on. Let's read it for a second. A cable well, guy tells me health insurance providers are trying to purchase massive backbone-level network infrastructure from his company to implement quarterly electronic home health monitoring, the results yeah. of which will be tied to premiums. In other words, oh, to, yeah. to make sure that you are living a healthy life, slave. That's what it's about. Make sure, yeah, spies. My, yeah, spying on you, make sure you're healthy. Oh, that's another part of your your report, along with the... This, know. by the way, is not Noah Vincente in Landing, New Jersey. He just says, thank you. This is Ed Smith in Lorena, Texas, up the street from you. Right. So I got the two jammed together. I'm not so used to one-line ones. Eliza Martinez in Florence, South Carolina, 50. Uh, ITM, Molder, Scully, and Deep Throat. Here's a consultation fee for the Curry Devorah Consulting Group. Uh, John, when you say ITM feet in the air, what do you mean? Paratroopers or women having a good time? Well, I never thought of the paratroopers. <laughs> if I become a knight, I'll have Rioja. So what pairs well with that? Hookers, wenches, or what? 
Last, actually, steak. Rioja and rimming. Last, I recently started to listen to jazz. What's the name of the show's outro piece? You tell him. That is the uh, <clears throat> the Marriott Jazz Quintet, and the title of the piece is On the Seventh Day. Uh, and he, she would like a, or he, so she, a he, I don't know, uh, a Kiki LGY Karma. Shut up already. It's science. Yay! You've got karma. All right, so now we have a long note from Elizabeth Woods, who's written us before, and I'll read part of it. Big shout out to her. We have it. Husband, her husband Jimmy Woods. His real name is Francis James Woods the Third. So is he is he related to James Woods? Yeah, I doubt it. Doubt it. Yeah. I mean, where where's she from? Where did I say? New York, Hunt, Huntington Station. Huntington Station, New York. Yeah, it seems unlikely. Yeah. Uh, we were married five years this past August. I wanted to thank you for your interesting topics for teaching me some stuff that I. Never knew about it for the laughs. You guys are sometimes so interesting that I have actually gone to the show notes from time to time. <laughs> wow. Actually visited actually, the wow. show notes. Which, you know, it makes me feel so good because, you know, it, it's not like it, I take hours and hours putting all that together at all. Fantastic job. In my book, you become the best podcast in the universe, of course. Can you give us a happy birthday in the morning? Uh, he gets on the birthday list. In the morning, some uh, karma. And then the other extras you want to throw in. Fondly, Liz. Okay, we'll throw it in. In the morning. You've got karma. By Ayn Rand. Can I? You know, um, I saw Atlas Shrugged Part 2. Oh, fantastic. No, no. It is it's like someone uh, who belongs to your club said, hey, let's make a movie. So I, we saw part one, and this is equally as bad. Uh, we're we're going to make a movie to, to make everyone think Atlas Shrugged is a stupid book. <laughs> where, and they succeeded with that, where Dagny is a victim instead of like this strong, well amazing. Well done, sir. <laughs> well played. <laughs> it is a piece of crap. It is, I mean... I just I don't I, I don't I don't know how they how they how they did it. I mean, how can you wreck it so badly? Good. No, no it's not good. It's a fabulous book. Antonio McMullen in Round Rock, Texas. Yeah, right up the in street. In some Texas action. Salutations yeah. from a remote region of the world. Just started listening to the show. Thanks to my friend Joe. I want to contribute to the value for value model. Your show keeps me entertained while I spread freedom and drones across the world. <laughs> Keep yeah. up the good work. Can I get a don't eat me, Hillary? So you're laughing, or I'm laughing, but it's actually possible he is uh, spending sending drones around the world. Well, he just said he's in some remote region. Yeah, of yeah. the world. Get it? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, I'm just stalling so I can find the he's uh, a drone. He's a ro- drone driver. Yeah, <laughs> drone driver. Pretty soon they'll all be uh, just like the, they're all the cabbies will be drone, <laughs> drone driver. Don't eat me, Hillary Clinton. There you go. All right. Keep up the good work. Nick, Nick, yeah, Nick, <laughs> Nicholas Bunk, Boink, Boink, Bunk. I think Bank. Boink. 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 In Ride, New South Wales. I, it says Reed, but I'm actually in Sydney, world's most beautiful city, which is unfortunately infested with narcissistic douchebags and bankers. Hey, now. First time donor, but listening since about show 50. Poor student, but I thought I'd donate oh. while I could get a mention for a modest amount. 
I think that would help the show is to move the donation section section to the end as a sort of producer's end credit. That's an interesting idea that's not been suggested. Just move it right to the end and people just stop if they don't want to hear it. Well, I don't. No, 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 no. This, like this, this has nothing to do with the. This is not has nothing to do with the. First of all, there's all kinds of gems that. Pro, I mean, would you have known the fun fact about the scientists if you just if you had stopped listening? No, you would have missed that. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a fun fact. Yeah, it's a fun fact. We got a fun fact. <laughs> we got fun there. facts. We got fun facts in there today. All kinds of groovy things. Yeah. Uh, you it's, heard it's, me. It's, it's it's all minor. That's heard, fun fact. Who cares if there were a bunch of but, but you, a, all those lists suck. What? And I think we made it clear that we thought that list sucked because it didn't have Dr. Kiki. She should have been in there. Yeah. But uh, what I'm saying is if you move this to the end, then people will the miss way, it. I think I could walk over to Genentech right now and find 10 lady scientists that are better looking than anybody on that list. So they didn't even try. Why don't we do that? Nah. The hotties of Genentech. The Why babe, not? The, we, we, we had a ge- magazine or something where we'd make some money, I would do it. But we we, just it call- would just be a complete. I'd have to actually get out of the well, house. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm thinking calendar. <sighs> There's no money in calendars, no matter what you'd like to believe. Oh, okay. me in Winterville, Georgia. 50 bucks. P- Sir Peter Totes, 50 bucks. Carl Johnson, Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, 50 bucks. Thanks for the show. Shad Rich, uh, Seattle. 50 bucks. Uh, Fleet Larson in Bettendorf, Iowa. Uh, first donation. First owner. I want to thank him and everybody else who helped to contribute to this show. 491. We got 492 coming up. Headed to show 500. So uh, look out for 31313. Uh, and we'll put that up on the new donation, uh, the new contribution, the new support page. That's at Dvorak.org slash NA, and hope everybody keeps contributing, keeping the show going. Yeah, this is an important number, people. 31313, that is the 31st day of the third month of the 13th year, 31313, uh, for the f- episode number 500. It will be quite a, um, it's quite a number for us, 500 episodes. I mean, find some podcasts out there of this length of this value that actually do this on a consistent basis, and then tell me. If this is worth it to you, the best podcast in the universe. We certainly try. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And, of course, we have a couple of birthdays. It's your birthday, birthday. Which we love to celebrate. Garrett Reed, uh, he celebrated on the the 26th. Scott turns 32 on Saturday. Sean Hogan says happy birthday to Chris Swierzek. Hope I pronounced that right. And Elizabeth McCartney. McCarthy. Says happy birthday to her husband, Jimmy Woods. Celebrates on the 28th. That would be today. Send pictures. Happy birthday from all your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. Unfortunately, no nightings today. Yeah. Sad. It's a shame. Yeah, it's sad. Um, I I want to ask a question before we get into some of these offbeat topics, including my clips. Uh, Is what is the deal with uh, Strauss-Kahn? I mean, now there's a book coming out, and there's a little clip here that kind of explains it. Some woman who's actually quite attractive apparently had an affair with the guy for seven months and then wrote a book called Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And if you get to see this woman, if you see a picture of it, spook. Oh, yeah. So now this is what is what did this guy do that they have just pile drive this guy into oblivion? 
however, did win 50,000 euros in damages. The book is called Beauty and the Beast, and it was written after the author had an affair with Dominic Strauss-Kahn in the midst of the scandal over accusations he raped a New York hotel maid. Strauss-Kahn says the author was simply trying to make a buck. William Edwards has more. Marcelo Jakob's book, Beauty and the Beast, is hitting bookshops this Wednesday, but if you want a copy, you might face a bit of a wait. A French judge decided against a ban, but required an insert to be added, and that'll take time. The work recounts the author's seven-month affair last year with Dominique Strauss-Kahn in graphic detail. His name isn't mentioned, but Jakob told a French magazine that the former IMF chief was the subject, though she admitted mixing fiction with reality. Fiction or not, Strauss-Kahn has called the book a gross invasion of privacy. I'm completely disgusted by the despicable nature of this text and by the fact that it's completely untruthful in what it relates. It's all done to make money with no regard to the devastation that it could cause to my personal life, my family life or that of my children. So now I say, enough. I'm tired of being used and I want only one thing, to be left alone. The court also ordered the French magazine that published excerpts of the book to publish a statement on half of its cover. The author, editor and magazine will have to pay a total of €75,000 in damages. The decision is unlikely to put an end to the intense scrutiny into Strauss-Kahn's life. So the, uh, this woman, uh, Marcella Lacoub, is, I mean, pff, smoking hot. And she's young. She's, I think she's younger than she looks in the picture because she's got kind of an older haircut. Yeah. But she's, uh, I mean, yeah, spook. I mean, you, lest us forget that uh, when Strauss-Kahn was removed and they were tapping his phone, um, they set him up with this, uh, with this ma- that was a setup. They set him up with this maid. I mean, th- you know, th- it was to remove him to bring in Lagarde. This is why this guy, and so... Every single he if he tries to make a move, they they just have to make him look like an idiot or a pig. As literally, if you look at the cover of this book, there's a a, a pair of uh, high heel pump shoes and a pig. Yes, a pig. <laughs> and so, I know it's relentless. So they're that calling, this guy. They're calling him a pig. Zigged when he should have zagged. But realize that all these elites, you know, just like our beloved uh, Petraeus and Allen and all these guys. They are megalomaniacs. You get to this level of power, and, you know, it's just like, whatever, just, hey, come over here, get on that. I'm going to hit that, tap that, because you can get it all. And look at this woman. I agree, spook. And this guy probably, I can get that. Look at this great scene, the two next to each other. Ugly, old, fat beast. And he's getting that? Well, of course, it's only because either, A, he's rich and powerful, which I don't even think he was that rich, but he had certainly power and influence. Uh... Or she's, you know, there to compromise him and success. And the, and the media has a story. They're not going to all of a sudden print, you know, his truth about how Lagarde screwed him and, and took over and uh, captured the IMF and, uh, and then immediately worked with, you know, with the U.S. Treasury and bankrupted the entire world. Who's going to believe that? No, pig? Yeah. Oh, I believe that. Got, look at him. The guy's a pig. So this is just how characters, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the guy doesn't kill himself. Well, maybe they're trying to drive him to it, or actually, no, they'll kill him. And then put the gun in his left hand? Because it's obvious that what you just said 
is in the public domain in terms of mindset. That's oh, I'm surprised he doesn't kill himself. Then he kills himself because you can't be the only one thinking that. No, no. Although I am a genius. So I want to play a couple of these things from this uh, Michael Shrimpton. Yeah, good. Explain who Michael Shrimpton is. Well, if you play the first clip, which I believe is the long one, and you don't have to play the whole thing, which I think is the Shrimpton, Michael Shrimpton on British murder pedophilia ring, and it was a murder ring, and it was run by Ed Heath, the prime minister of of all people. (laughs) Uh, And it's outlined in a new book that, it's called uh, Spy Hunter that by mm-hmm. this guy. And mm-hmm. if, you, if you play this clip, he introduces himself. I'm Michael Shrimpton. My day job is barrister. I used to be an immigration judge many years ago. My other job is as an intelligence and national security consultant. I've just written my first major book, Spy Hunter. We weren't getting anywhere in the intelligence community. We were being blocked persistently and consistently in London and Washington. And it seemed to be that only by bringing public pressure to bear on politicians could you actually get anywhere. It's extraordinarily frustrating. Intelligence is about speaking truth to power, but if there's nobody in power able to act on the intelligence, then it's a little bit pointless gathering it in the first place. There are people still alive who are involved in the paedophile scandal, and obviously I'm not going to name them on a radio program, but the most prominent paedophile associated with the Savile Ring was a man called Edward Heath. Uh, who may, may recall was Prime Minister and took us into the EEC. And Heath was recruited as something that Christopher Story published in 2005, something which was confirmed to me by um, General Obus Marcus Wolf of the DVD and the Stasi. Heath was recruited by the Germans in 1937. I've said this in Spy Hunter. Heath was into little boys <laughs> and Savile was supplying them. A number of these boys were taken out of the Haute de Garenne home in Jersey. Savile was taking children from a children's home with the support of German assets in Jersey. Remember, the Germans used to run Jersey. And whenever the Germans overtake somewhere, there's always a stay-behind intelligence organization. Gladio. German assets didn't pull out of Jersey in 45. Wait, wait, is this about Gladio? Is he going to talk about Operation Gladio? No. Five. Only German troops marched out, they surrendered. The German intelligence operation in Jersey stayed on after 45. Jersey was very important to the Germans because of offshore financing, because we do a lot of our offshore financing through Jersey. The banking in Jersey is quite interesting. And what was happening was that children's homes in the Channel Islands, particularly at Gren in Jersey, uh, children were being taken from these homes, boys in the case of Edward Heath, as he was gay, um, and a paedophile were being taken onto his yacht, the Morning Cloud. Right. Um, there were, in fact, several Morning Clouds. But and, and that's where Dutroux comes in. This is all. So, this is amazing, John. What a great clip. But, um, there was one in particular which won the Sydney Hobart Yacht Race, which was eventually sunk in the English Channel, from memory. Uh, but it was the boat that was sunk on which most of the abuse took place. Savile was actually going out to... He went down to Jersey... And he was actually taking boys. There was another man involved as well, but Savile himself took boys from the children's home, where he was a guest, or welcome, onto the boat. So he was taking boys out onto Morning Cloud. Now, since Heath was well known, and since the boys were talking young men, uh, it depends how you define child, but as a lawyer, one would define, uh, normally we define children as under the age of 14, which is the age of criminal responsibility. They were about that age, sadly. 
but they were old enough to know who was abusing them. It's quite clear that in most cases they weren't willing to be abused. And even if they were, at that age, we don't regard consent as informed consent. Defined in the United States, I'm afraid, statutory rape. The boys were murdered and thrown off the boat. Now, a very courageous Jersey police officer who was aware of the paedophile ring, was aware that boys were being supplied to politicians and key figures in Jersey, knowing that children had gone missing from the nursing, and there's no dispute about that, uh, the police in Jersey were aware that they had missing kiddies. Their theory, which is quite perfectly reasonable theory, was that they must be buried in the grounds. And I think you, if you look at the files, you see there was a, an attempt to uh, find the, their remains by digging up the grounds. Uh, was it Lenny Harper? It's been some time since I looked at the file on this, but if you told me it was Lenny Harper, I wouldn't dispute that for a moment. What I do know is this police officer was very competent, very courageous, because he was uh, up against a cabinet office-backed paedophile ring, and the investigation he was conducting was at some professional risk, and indeed uh, I suspect his life is also at risk at one point, because he was getting close to some very uncomfortable truths for certain people in the cabinet office, GO2 in London, and certain people in Jersey in the German network, which is, even today, there's still a German network in the Channel Islands. This is, so, <laughs> this is Jimmy Savile. Jim will fix it. He received a papal knighthood. <laughs> this guy was... Which is maybe the reason the Pope quit. No, that was the other Pope, the guy But it's him. just, un, you know, and but whenever I launch into my conspiracy theory about an entire section of the elite ruling class in government and in elitist families, people would call me a nut job. But the, you know, this is like, this is so, and this connects to true. <clears throat> no, it connects to all this. And it, what's interesting to me is It also is connects this, to Boys Town USA, John. All of these things are connected. Yeah, it's a huge network. Well, let's play Shrimpton 2, which is a shorter clip. It, was, it brings the Germans back into it. And, the, and <laughs> apparently this is the initiation of the British entry in the EU. The cabinet secretary at the time, who thankfully is no longer with us, Hunt, was also a paedophile, was in on this, met Savile, uh, he was Catholic, met Savile, as did that very nice man, the late Archbishop of Westminster, Cardinal Basil Hume. Basil was not a paedophile, but knew Hunt and had a shrewd idea. He wasn't stupid, he had a shrewd idea of what had been going on, and I've no doubt was told to keep a lid on it. But Hunt was in on it, so the cabinet secretary at the time was in on it, was aware of what was going on, was aware he had a prime minister who was involved not just in abusing young boys, but was murdering them as well. It's quite possible that there was a crewman on the yacht who did the actual murder. I'm not saying Ebert Heath necessarily bashed the boys on the boco and tossed them overboard. He may have had somebody do that for him, but he was certainly guilty of murder under English law as an accessory or uh, on the joint enterprise basis. The cabinet secretary of the day knew that we had a prime minister who was vulnerable to charges of murder at the old Bailey. Um, bit of a national security mess. <laughs> and the cabinet secretary, as you can well imagine, was very keen to keep a tight lid on things. Uh, Hunt, of course, was working for the Germans and was very keen on British membership of the EEC. And it was Hunt and Heath between them who were responsible for Britain going to the EEC, along with another German spy, <laughs> exposed in Spy Hunter called uh, Tony Barber. So this, I'm looking, but Spy Hunter doesn't appear to be on Amazon yet. Is this book, when yeah, does this book come out? This is a lot of suppressed stuff. Another EU example is this one little anecdote he has about Madeleine McCann, who was murdered. 
Yes, this is the uh, the young girl who was abducted in Portugal and uh, never heard from again, which, of course, also rumored to be an elite um, pedophile ring in Portugal, actually. And I think they later did arrest a number of uh, of people in this pedophile ring. It was in my report to the Joint Intelligence Committee, which was put on the website disgracefully by the Daily Mirror a few years ago. In the case of Madeleine McCann, she was going to be abused by a senior member of the European Commission in Brussels, whose name is known to British intelligence. I can't identify him in Spyhunter, but um, I don't know who it is. Wow. And... How come... This is the thing that always bothers me. Oh, let me There's no way that Madeleine could ever be returned alive to her family, because the danger would be that even at her tender age of four, she would recognise him and know who was abusing her. How come if... The I've heard this, I hear this all the time. Yeah, I know who it is, but I'm not telling. Why not? Why not just come all out? I mean, what are you going to do? Well, because he knows, he's the same thing that you had going on when you were in Holland. You're going to get sued, and you're going to have to prove your accusation, especially in the... In the European Union, the laws are different than they are here. You can actually pull off being more accusatory in uh, in the United States, but you better still be careful. Yeah. So he just, you know, he accused, the only people he names are all dead, but, you know, he has supposedly the documentation. He has credibility to yes. a point. Yes. I don't know how credible this guy is overall, but he does have a lot of... He's got, uh, well, he, he speaks nicely. Well, yeah, he's also the Shrimpton Kelly murder is a nice little clip, and then I'll play the one that is extremely strange. I mean, you said yourself that parts of British intelligence have been infiltrated by other countries, so, I mean, you know, how can you say we would never do such a thing? Ah, well, then it's not we, is it? If a German, let's take the assassination of David Kelly, that was done by GO2, which is the German operation in London, and you've got German assets inside Thames Valley Police, uh, for example, where you've got... Brits working for the Germans, then you, in my view, is you blame the Germans. You don't blame the Brits because the Germans are paying them or, or blackmailing them. Pedophilia is a, a wonderful means if you're a hostile intelligence agency of blackmailing politicians. Ah, really? <clears throat> so that's, that's what he thinks, that Kelly was blackmailing politicians with pedophilia? No, no, they... No, I don't know what, what it would be. Some... That's no, that weird. was a different topic. They killed Kelly for some other reason, and then this guy ah. they kept hounding him about, well, why would the Germans be doing this? Why why, why would they be using pedophilia? Because we don't, supposedly, <laughs> in terms of the British uh, right. uh, intelligence, right. MI6 right. and MI5. And he went on and said, this is the style of German intelligence uh, operations, and made a point out of it. And then he brought in one item, which I think is just uh, the most off-the-wall thing, I've ever heard because he's unfortunately the interviewer doesn't think much of the he didn't back him down on this and what the hell is he talking about and why was why did this happen but when we look at Sandy Hook the two of us there's always this this lack of evidence of anything and then we have something like for example this phony baloney Pierce Morgan and just play just for just kind of a reminder Pierce Morgan lies one clip 
You're looking live at Capitol Hill, where in just a few hours from now, the Senate will hold its first hearing on Dianne Feinstein's assault weapons ban. That ban would outlaw 157 kinds of military-style assault weapons. It would also ban large-capacity magazines that hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition. If you've watched the show lately, you'll know exactly where I stand. I think the ban would be a very good thing for America. But its passage is far from assured, even in the wake of the Sandy Hook massacre. The shooter there, it's important to note, used a Bushmaster semi-automatic assault rifle with a 30-round magazine. In fact, <coughs> many magazines were on his possession. No, I'm sorry. That was found in the tr in the car. Yes, it's bullshit. He's yeah. a liar. Yeah, yeah, that was found. And so then they brought on a couple of a dad and some other dad who lost their sons. And if you listen to this interview, this is this is as if you have somebody up there who had a script to read, and they don't like the script. They don't know what to do. They may have had a national security letter, so they really can't say anything or whatever really happened in Sandy Hook, which nobody seems to really understand. And listen to this way he had the way Pierce. The way this guy responds to Pierce when when this this is a very short little interview. Joining me now is Neil Heslin. His six-year-old son was killed at Sandy Hook. He's in Washington to meet with members of Congress about the assault weapons ban. With him is his friend Stephen Gridge, whose son was also a tragic victim of gun violence, killed just days before Sandy Hook during a home invasion near Clemson University. Welcome uh, to you both. I just want to say from the outset, Neil and Stephen, that you were friends from high school in Connecticut. You've known each other a very long time. Joined in this awful way. Uh, by the death of your your children. Uh, Neil, let me start with you. Tomorrow's a big day for the assault weapons ban, for the ban uh, that's trying to go through on high-capacity uh, magazines and so on. Where do you feel this debate now is in America? Um, I, I'm, I don't know on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I still believe that there has to be a ban in place for uh, wow. the assault rifles and uh, the high-capacity magazines. Oh, wow. wow. Stephen, you, you've also lost a were child. There, um, were there monarch butterflies flying across the screen when this took place, <laughs> which is a surefire a symbol of MK Ultra? It was unbelievable. Oh, my God. So then we hear from, from uh, Shrimpton. Shrimpton. This unbelievable, and this is just completely off the wall. It wasn't followed up, and I would like to get a hold of this guy and find out what the hell he's talking about because this is the craziest thing. Believe me, and I, you know, I'll take the crackpot side on this on this segment. This is the craziest. The WTF clip is the craziest thing I've heard forever. Okay, uh, no, I have not heard the clip, um, and I would like to make a guess. You'll never guess. Sandy Hook was a ritual killing. Satanic we, ritual killing. No, no, no. Damn. Now, you're, you're painting a picture of uh, lots of sort of high-level pedophile characters in the center of government. What on earth purpose would that serve? Oh, if someone is inclined in that direction and you can supply them with boys, then you've got a hold on them, or girls. There's nothing worse for a politician than being exposed in the murder and sexual abuse of young people. And if you've got a politician who is abusing and killing young girls and boys, but boys or girls, then you've got a hold on them. This has been a standard German intelligence tactic for decades. Well, surely it's not just the Germans. I mean, the British intelligence surely are using these kinds of tactics. Any intelligence service would want to. No, we're the good guys. I mean, MI5 and MI6 don't do murder, but obviously 
occasionally it's necessary to take people out, but that's always done by independent contractors. We're the good guys. Um, we You're English, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I am British. I'm in favour of the British, and I certainly count myself as a patriotic Englishman, and uh, I am a Britisher, yes. But we are the good guys, and one of the reasons why we're the good guys is we don't approve of the killing of children. We've never get British intelligence setting up a shooting like the Sandy Hook shooting in the United States, which was again was set up by the Germans via Mexico, and a bunch of crazy Mexican drug gangsters rolling up to a school shooting up the kiddies. I mean, it's just absolute nonsense. The British judge would never, never touch an operation like that with a barge. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Uh, step back away from the podcast receiver. Clip of the day. All right. Thanks. I thought I had a weekend. Uh, I've got nothing but research ahead of me now. <laughs> Holy crap. Mexican gangs spurred on by the Germans. Oh, my God. Awesome. Good job. Well played, sir. Yes. Yeah, I was actually uh, taken aback by that myself. It was like, what? Well, it makes a lot of sense because there is so much evidence of um, of a gun. You know, um, one of the the green car outside has bullet uh, holes entering, but also exit uh, holes. So someone was shooting out of the car. There's all kinds of uh, of stuff that is, and also, you know, the records have been sealed for another six months at Sandy Hook, and the um, the judge says, well, you know, we don't think the people could handle the possibility that there was more than one uh, shooter involved. This is not reported on anymore, but, it, but it, 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 it does get reported on, but just not a headline anymore because, God forbid. But wow. Whew. All right, thanks. Very good job. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm inadequate. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a shriveled little shrimp here as a crackpot. I mean, you've, you've outdone me. <laughs> you've totally outdone me. And I've never heard of this guy. This is great. Really great, yeah. And what? And he doesn't get interviewed much. He was on this little station in Bristol, and he doesn't get interviewed much. He does no. He's basically he's been suppressed. And I think the book. I don't know what happened to this book. And if the guy has a website, and in his website he never really discusses any of this stuff. He kind of held back on all of it because he was in the security agencies of right, some sort. Right. And he and he just then he rolls out the book and tries to get some publicity. And I think he's shutting him down. But I tried to find this on Amazon. It's not on Amazon. It's called yeah. Spy Hunter. There's, a, there's yeah. a, a different book called Spy Hunter, but not by him. Shrimpton. It's called Whoever. it's called Spy Hunter, the the book. But it's but Shrimpton is not on Amazon. Period. So let me see. Maybe on it. He has a well, he blog. Did say, if you remember the beginning of that, that of the original long clip, he says this is his first book. So. And if you look up Spy Hunt, well, then it wouldn't be looking up if he if the book's not there, then he won't be there. So, I mean, it's not as though he did other books that he would show up on right, Amazon. Right, right. Well, when, but when did this I, come out? If you out? look up Spy Hunter and then put in Shrimpton, you'll find a, there's some links to some obscure yeah. stuff. I mean, he first came right. out with this in middle of January last right. month. I see it. I see it. I see it. And then, and then there is a piece that he wrote, a kind of a prelude to the book, in July, June or July of 2012, where he even brings in some more crazy stuff and kind of hinting about this book. All right. Here's the problem. Here's I'm just looking at... SimeonPress.com, and so they headline what David Icke has been saying since 1998 about pedophile and child-killing Prime Minister Ted Heath is backed up here by barrister Michael Shrimpton, an intelligence and national security consultant from his own contacts and inside experience. So the problem here 
is now he'll be associated with David Icke. Right. So that's a problem. Yes. That's, that's a big problem. It's a huge problem. Yeah. But what yeah. are you going to do? David Icke has this old information. I guess yeah. it was known amongst <clears throat> a lot of yeah. people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the and BBC. Then, uh, know, David Icke was BBC. It was a sports uh, presenter, so he knew all about it. He knew what was going on. Yeah, he was at the BBC, yeah. so he knew. And he's a gossip, obviously. I mean, he's not the kind of personality that's just going to be shy and reticent. And so he right. found out about it. And right. then, of course, he went on his merry way becoming David Icke. But they, but then he was marginalized, generally speaking, by the public at large. And uh, so this guy backing up the Ike claims is just going to be marginalized, too. And so you, we will yeah. – only listeners of the No Agenda show will know anything about this in the entire United States. This is never going to come out no, at no. all. And you'll have a little blurb when he kills himself. <laughs> right. He'll kill himself. <laughs> just a little blurb. It's like, oh, to the gun in the left hand, two shots. Yeah, we have to, to keep track of him so uh, – He's well connected at the, but you know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> he looks great, though. I'm looking at the picture. He looks like he's he's sharp. Now, ah, God bless him. We can give the guy some karma. I hope he stays alive for a while. This is good. You've got karma. So again, if if you get dizzy from this podcast and you're thinking, "Oh my God, what is going on?" You know, we've just lifted up the veil of the Matrix momentarily for you to peek around and under it. Uh, all you have to do is just turn the podcast off. Turn on your telescreen and everything will return back to normal and you'll feel perfectly fine. Or will you? And I would like to keep my deconstruction of the Department of Peace Building for Sunday because that's... Uh, not, we teased it. Yeah, that's teasing. So it's the, there's a brand new department. It is a huge piece of legislation which I have deconstructed in its entirety. Um, let me just say this. Get your brown shirt out of the closet because the Ministry of Peace is upon us. Yes, yeah, I'm not kidding. No, I saw that. I said, "Oh, this is too funny." Oh no, but, it, but I, yeah, I know. I expect we'll do it on Sunday. Sunday it's still the Sunday. same part of the new, same newsletter cycle. Yeah, so we'll do it on Sunday because it, I don't. You know, we're already over time here, and I do want to finish up with the ever important uh, entertainment industrial complex. Uh, this is, of course, uh, I'm referring to the uh, ceremony known as the Oscars, and. Uh, a lot of things happened uh, during this year's show, and the the first thing uh, that I've, I and uh, this was Jimmy Kimmel actually that put this together because um, you know we're in Texas we're in a weird time zone so you get all this red carpet stuff ahead of time and this has been bothering me for a long long time uh, and we've talked about it on the show use of words incorrectly um, and there's a list of them and I, I'm really disturbed by awesome. Right? The the use of the word awesome. Yes. Also, the current use of the word sick. Have you heard this? Sick? Her yeah, body which is means sick. It's, it's so good yeah, that it's, it's sick. Her body is sick. It's just sick. I don't like that. It doesn't feel good, particularly when one woman says about another woman. But props to Jimmy Kimmel for putting together a hundred uses of the word amazing. During the red carpet coverage. Have you, have oh, you seen great. this? This is fantastic. You look amazing. Thank you. You guys look amazing too. My hair looks amazing. Joy? Amazing. Really? Like, that's amazing. Amazing. You look amazing. You look amazing. Your hair looks amazing. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. This is amazing. It was amazing. You're amazing. You look amazing. Everyone's performance this year was amazing. It's such an amazing ride. Amazing weather. Amazing hairdos. Amazing experience. Amazing McQueen dress. Amazing people. Amazing year. Amazing look. I think it's amazing. You're amazing. 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 You look amazing. That looks amazing. That could be amazing. You look amazing. Quite amazing. I thought it was amazing. It's going to be amazing. 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 Amaz
amazing. 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 You were amazing. 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 She looks amazing. So, um, by the way, the chat room is pointing out to me that you actually used the word sick in that context earlier in this very podcast. I did. Yes. And I and I remembered to point that out and I forgot. But thank you, chat room. Um, so uh, I played this video, which you can find in the show notes for nineer1.nashownotes.com for Ms. Mickey. Um, by the way, I used it ironically, but go I know, ahead. I know you did, uh, honey. <laughs> Believe me. Uh, and I played this for her because she, you know, she's a uh, she's an undocumented American. Uh, she's an immigrant, and so you know she is still honing her vocabulary, and she finds it very important that she learns new words to use. This is the, one of the most frustrating things for her when you are not a native speaker and you want to, you know, not fall into the hipster trap of using these types of words, which is it happens very quickly. And she said, "That's it. I'm from now on. I'm using the word divine." <laughs> and I think we should institute like this old gay male. I like well, <laughs> well. This amazing is used by primarily old gay guys. So how about just divine? It's just divine. You look divine. And also, I would like to start using most assuredly, <laughs> which I don't think is actually correct, but it sounds great. Instead of certainly or yes, just most assuredly. It makes you feel, the, when you say, when someone says, hey, are you going to like call for the trash can? Most assuredly. Yeah, well, I'll, I'd like to use for that, I'll, I'm going to use indeed. <laughs> no, indeed works in print. No, ask if I'm going to go get the, to take trash the trash can? out. Indeed. <laughs> I, wait, hey, John, wait a minute. Did you take the trash out? Are you going to do that? Indeed. Now you, now you try it on me. Hey, Adam, are you going to take the trash out? Most assuredly. <laughs> All right. So a couple of things happened uh, during the Oscar ceremony. and the Can I say one thing before you go no, on your please, list? please. That woman, what's her name, Jennifer Lawrence, whoever fell down on the steps? Yes. What kind of a I, – I heard that there, were, that there was something. They were cheapening the, the whole operation. You're supposed to have – when you build those crazy steps with no – You have dudes up, who hold on to you. You have a couple of big dudes who hold on to you or women in the case of the men going up because it's dangerous. Yeah. This is uh, – as a Curry Dvorak a consulting business meeting, this is an outrage. And it was these two producers, these, these two old gay guys who – Produced a divine program, um, who really missed out on this. And she had a dress on, which, you know, she had a, um, I think it was, Ch mm, crap, was it Chanel? No, it's uh, Dior. It was a huge dress, and yeah. she knew it was a problem. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, you know, embarrassing for any woman regardless. But yeah, I totally agree. You need dudes there. It's a cheap-ass crap show, and female unfriendly. Yeah, well, yeah, Fem I can see, yeah. female unfriendly. Yeah, they hated women. <laughs> totally. They're Did hoping someone's going to fall. But, but In fact, when what's her name came, she had to go up sideways to get up to the thing. She, uh, the uh, 
<laughs> the big-eyed, big-mouth woman uh, won the award. Big-eyed, big-mouth woman. Big-eyed, big... <laughs> What's her name? Adele? No. She won. No, Adele. That, Adele. Just the word big doesn't apply. Big-eyed, you know, big-mouth. You know, big uh, uh, what's her name? The actress that did was in oh, Le Oh, 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 yes. Uh, Le Miz girl with the short hair, yes. Uh, who, who I'm starting to dislike a little bit. She's getting annoying. Yeah. Yeah, it's always like here you know, we are, and we're, since we're such talented people. Well, I, just beside the point, it doesn't mean you can't be critical. You don't need to be a chicken to, to spot a bad egg. All right, All Howard right. Stern hates her. I don't care about that. Anyway, go on. Well, I was very disappointed that um, you know, during the commercials, they Anne some, Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Who came in and told you that? Nobody. Okay. So during the commercials, we see like Harvey Weinstein running around and stuff. They actually they did an award uh, a category this year and th they didn't even air everything. I do have some audio of it if you're interested of of a nominee that did not make it on the air. Want to hear? Sure. Coming soon uh, from No Agenda Films. Oh brother! A journey into the mind of a curmudgeon. I complain endlessly. The Grouser. Bullcrap. Prepare to be buzzkilled. Shut up. <laughs> it was very hard saving that for two hours. The grouser. <laughs> the grouser. Yeah, it was hard. I, now I know why you did this. <laughs> no, no. Very funny. Okay. So anyway, um, I want to point a few things out. Obviously, we have the first lady of the United States all of a sudden showing up to present the award to, well, it was a shoe in either way. It doesn't matter what was going to win. Um, did you hear the speech she gave? Yeah. I mean, did you find anything weird with that? Well, I didn't study it. Okay. I just found the whole thing offensive. And then, of course, they give it to Clooney, and then backstage, Clooney's going on about, this is the real story that should have been told, and we had last in the last show. People should go back and listen well, to no, it. Well, let me the play Jimmy it. Carter let, clip. Let me play it right now. The only thing I would say was that 90% of the contributions to the ideas and the consummation of the plan was Canadian. Mm. And the movie gives almost full credit to the American CIA. And with that exception, the movie's very good. But uh, Ben Affleck's uh, character in the film was only, he was only in Tehran a day and a half. Mm. And the main hero, in my opinion, was Ken Taylor, who was a Canadian ambassador who orchestrated the entire process. So here's what's very important, and, and this, is, this is really... Whereas we had pipelines in episode 181, people pay attention to what's happening here. So Michelle Obama handing out the award to Argo, which I fully believe she knew about. And by the way, of course the First Lady is hanging out on uh, a Sunday night at midnight with a whole bunch of uh, uh, military men and women dressed up in their, uh, in their battle dress. Of course, it makes so much sense, showing the power of of the first lady and the first family and the military industrial complex just showing sheer that was like hugo chavez would have done that it was yes, un, exactly. unfucking believable to me that she did that now so even president carter which this was about this was a test run to change president carter's legacy into something very positive um 
So now all of a sudden, oh, well, President Carter, because uh, he even has a little role in the movie, as we know, during the credits, you know, oh, he, fr- he freed the Iranian hostages. Nothing could be further from the truth. But the guy who wrote this fictional story actually won the Oscar for writing the fake story. And here's what blows me away. We have George Clooney, a known CIA asset, who was a producer on this film. Producer means funding. Um, in addition to Huma Abedin, um, Hillary Clinton's girlfriend, uh, being thanked in the credits, which means the State Department obviously had a hand in it, there was one other uh, person on the credits, Whitney Williams. Special thanks to Whitney Williams. Whitney Williams was the first lady Hillary Clinton's director of operations when she was in the White House. Whitney also serves as co-founder and chief executive officer and board member of the Eastern Congo Initiative, co-founded with, yes, Ben Affleck. So the money, it's, you understand the money is coming from CIA and uh, State Department government sources. And the crazy twisted thing about it is, and this is why Clooney always stands to the side and is really embarrassed and timid, because he knows that they literally, it's a, it's a, it's a movie within a movie. They created a movie about something that didn't happen. There was no John Goodman. There was no fake movie script. There was none of this bull crap, this backstory. But they actually did it with with money from the government to create this fake movie about a fake movie. And they said, well, you know what? Let's get Ben Affleck to, to direct it because if it sucks, no one cares. It's fucking Ben Affleck. We don't give a shit about him. We'll just misuse him. And then it turns out, ooh. It was really a good movie. So the Hollywood establishment, which knows this, said, well, we're not going to give the guy best director. Fuck that. This guy is it's, it's a total, it's total government operation right up to the, to the White House. So, but okay, it won best movie. They, they couldn't stop it. And that, that's why they snubbed him on that. This whole thing is revisionism. Cultural creationism and revising history, just like Lincoln, which is now going to middle schools, just like Zero Dark Thirty, which is is a we we don't we don't have pictures of Bin Laden. We're not allowed to see them because everyone go crazy. Oh, we can't have that. And Mickey made a very good point. Like I, I, tr- I tried this out on her this morning. Um, she said, "You know, how come we can't show the pictures of Bin Laden? Yet we had this entire movie about killing him." And the woman, the actress, what's her name? The the cute redhead who didn't win? Yeah, the redhead. How come she's not under protection? Why isn't she being Just threatened? Name. Why isn't she being threatened for her for her portraying a CIA agent who indirectly responsible for the killing of bin Laden? Yeah, we can't show the pictures or anything. Uh, and we dumped them in the ocean. This is all making history. This is the danger. And you can take uh, a Lincoln movie and show it in schools, and you can discuss... And read and read all the things that Lincoln was reading because he was very prolific. Uh, he read a lot. He knew a lot. The kids will still remember and believe the story that was in the movie. This is what is destroying history, legacy, and it's really, really, really dangerous. And there's not nothing we can do to stop it, by the way. It's, I mean, it's, forget about it. But you need to be aware that this is taking place. And what what is frightening to me is that we now have movies working towards the future. Coming out um, in June, there's two movies coming out. Which you have to, we, and, and I would say we have to be fearful for the president's life. We have White House Down uh, coming out in June, 
White House down looks to me like it's going to be the better of the two. Channing Tatum will be in there. Jamie Foxx, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, James Woods. I mean, this is the, this is a full-on awesome, awesome cast. There's no trailer available yet. That'll be out in June. Uh, coming out March 22nd, 322, very important numbers for the uh, elite, is White House... I'm sorry, Olympus... Uh, what's it called? Olympus Has Fallen. And I do have a trailer of this movie, uh, and they already have a website online, olympusmovie.com. Mr. President, five minutes, sir. Evening, ma'am. Merry Christmas, Mike. Mustang, this is Big Top, bringing out the full package. Where'd that come from? So first, the president's wife dies. Everybody knows you did the right thing on that bridge. Even the president knows. You gotta learn how to get back into the real world. Mr. President, we're ready for you. And now... Our guests have arrived. We've got a C-17 flying over the Capitol and shooting at the White House. Sir, there's no inclusion. Let's go. Move. Well, you get the idea. So in this point of these movies, because it. Wow. Is it just a message to say, yes, hey, just yes. in case you didn't know it? Yes. In these, we, uh, we're, we're in control, and yes. don't forget, you're just a stooge for yes, us. Yes, yes. Morgan so Freeman. That's a possibility. I mean, we've seen this. Listen have, to this cast. We've noticed this, cast. this problem over and over again. So we just, when we first started doing the show, we saw this situation. Listen to this cast. Morgan Freeman, Angela Bassett, Dylan McDermott, Ashley Judd. This, this is, these are not small little poopy movies. This is good stuff, and there are two coming out, and the dates have been changed. I mean, this is there's something going on that is very, very, very big with the with the complex. On the back end, Obama's uh, getting too big for his britches. Oh yeah, on the back end, slapped down. There's one thing that I don't know if anyone really noticed that it kind of went undiscussed, uh, but this is where the real danger lies, and they better. Watch out. Love you so much. To my children, Christopher, Thomas, Alexander, and Samantha, thank you for inspiring me every day. For my mom and dad, thank you for telling me I could do any crazy career choice I wanted. Finally, I want to thank all the artists who worked on this film for over a year, including Rhythm and Hughes. Sadly, Rhythm and Hughes is suffering severe financial difficulties right now. It's, I urge you all to remember. So, did you see this part? No, I missed that. Okay. So this was when Life of Pi won. And what the guy is trying to say is that all these visual effects were made by an outfit called Rhythm and Hughes. And Rhythm and Hughes actually had several thousand people protesting the night of the Oscars, several outside of the venues, because their company is effectively being shut down. Um, and here's where the big mistake is being made. The elites or whoever is, is running the show refuse to pay the visual effects makers what they really deserve and they're starting to revolt and you know you need these guys you need you need to have your you've got to take care of your visual effects people so that apparently there's no real union um you know people even the you know the director is not even thanking them anymore director's not even 
you know, the director of photography is not even directing photography anymore. That you know, they're just sending it all to the visual effects people. Here's um uh, here's one of the visual effects guys who've been in the business for a long time who explains the problem. In ways is what happened to Rhythm and Hughes uh, symptomatic of the industry. Well, it's been sort of the way it has been for the last 20 years that I've been involved in the industry, which is the visual effects guy is at the bottom of the heap, and uh, nobody pays any attention to us, nobody gives us any due, and mostly we're never really paid the amount of money that we should be paid. It has been, interestingly enough, the Jaws uh, theme, it has been a swim to the bottom. Maybe you need a bigger boat. I mean, I wonder if, if you know, if... If the situation where the visual effects business, why would people go into this industry? I mean, isn't that just capitalism that someone's willing to do it for less? Well, the people that go into the industry that are visual effects artists are, in fact, artists. This is not done by technicians. This is not a bunch of people pushing buttons and computers and whatnot. The world-class work are done by incredible artists, men and women that have, you know, are painters and sculptors and model makers, but now do their work in a 3D world inside of the computer. When I was in the magazine business, it seemed like the art director was always the one who got the stuff at the very last minute. That when everyone was late, it fell on the, on these, on the art director because they had to come up with those visuals at sort of the last minute. Is that the same thing in the movie business? Well, it's exactly the same. We're always the tail that wags the dog. Interestingly enough, the gentleman that won the Academy Award for the Best Director of Photography didn't even thank the visual effects people. But when you look at the life of Pi, here's a movie that's 70, 80 percent digital. In fact, most of the visuals that you see in, this, in the movie that are absolutely beautiful, which is why the Academy probably voted for it, have little to do with the director of photography and mostly to do with the men and women back at Rhythm and Hughes. So I love how he says, we are the tail that wags the dog. Yeah, yeah. that's a funny reference. Well, he's not saying it by just some coincidence, John. So there's a, this is a real problem, and uh, I'm warning Hollywood now. I'm warning you now. You take care of your visual effects people, or you're going to see more little, small little things are going to start creeping in. You know how they put, like, the... You know, the Drew of Penis on uh, Snow White or the Mermaid or something at Disney. Remember that? No, I don't, but I can see. <laughs> I, I know how these guys operate. Yeah. So that you're going to put. I mean, apparently the Star Trek uh, models had all kinds of crazy stuff. Exactly. Exactly. I think my favorite was a rural FD mailbox with a red flag up. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so this is what's going on. Uh, we are revising history. We are uh, teaching through um a a a full on media which is complete goes completely unscrutinized has nothing to do you know we want to ban guns it's all about video games the enemy of the movie business uh television is is entirely a fair game in this except for the pay channels the movie channels will of course be protected and uh this is where the true power now lies and uh, I, if I'm to believe that uh, the uh, the press corps is onto this, but they're afraid to say it, they're afraid to say it. And you know why? Just because they don't. They, there's advertisers involved. Thank you. Exactly. Complete. That's why people have to support this show. Thank you. It's exactly right. And uh, we'll give you more reasons to support it on Sunday when we take you through the new Ministry of Peace, which is not a joke. There is a true Department of Peace building, and I have deconstructed the entire bill, which already has uh, 10 co-sponsors. It's uh, introduced by that douche knuckle from California, of course. Uh, but that's irrelevant. 
Uh, but it's not something that just was made up overnight. And I think the Peace Academy sounds fine. So you make sure you tune in Sunday or whenever you pick up the podcast of the best podcast in the universe. We'll be very happy to provide you all of that information. It's up to you whether you want to support us or not. Your choice. We do appreciate it. Coming to you from the Travis Heights hideout here, uh, just off South Congress in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, my name is Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I can honk that horn without some suit telling me to stop, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Sunday. Sans suits. And as divine as ever, right here on No Agenda. Coming soon from No Agenda Films. Oh, brother. A journey into the mind of a curmudgeon. I complain endlessly. The Grouser. Bullcrap. Prepare to be buzzkilled. Shut up. Shut up, Slay. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A.